Hey, Schmagmagab, it's me, Dr. F. And with me is... Hold on, I think you're going to hear it this week. Did it work? What'd you do? Somebody left... Oh, wait a minute. Oh, yeah! Uh, Somebody left a comment on the Facebook page saying that there's a setting I probably have on that's like a noise reduction thing so it doesn't pick up like, you know, when I set my beer down or do something like that. And that's why it wasn't picking that up. Ah, so, well, I picked it up this week. Yeah, I'm going to leave it on low. Let's see how it works. Maybe it's something I got to, you know, leave it for the crack and then go back, uh, you know. But uh, anyway, I'm Wadzilla. What's up, guys? And Ian, look who's here with us. Oh, yeah. Star-studded event. Years in the making, <laughs> literally, this episode. The one and only, the golden throat from Decibel Geek, Aaron Camaro. And, and let me tell you something, Aaron Camaro, I wore this especially for you. The best of the Kiss solo album. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. That's the best four Kiss solo albums right there. I like it. I like now, it. That goes for Aaron Camaro. His favorite album of all time. All time. And you let, got. Let me give it a shot. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I heard it. I heard it. All right, good, good. That's that's the best way to test your audio for if you're a young and upcoming podcaster out there. Crack a beer and see how it sounds. Right on. <laughs> so Ian, well, this is, yeah. Go ahead. So uh, we're gonna do we're gonna be reviewing it out. Hey, Aaron, you listened to Cyclone Temple? Did you listen to the album? Cyclone Temple. I thought we were here to review Goblin Cock. <laughs> no, that's the post show. Oh. <laughs> That's what we're going to do after this show is Goblin. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. If you don't know about that, man, look up the album one time. <laughs> no, I definitely did listen to this, man. And this, this is going to be fun today. I know we're going to have a good time with this. All right. Yeah. Uh, we will discuss the news as well, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But, uh, you know, first, I, I really want to thank Aaron and, um, even more so the person that this is for, Rich Canamere. He has been so patient. I think he paid for this like before we took donations. That's how long this shit's been. But I knew we had to have Aaron be part of this because Rich is somebody who came to us through an appearance I did on Decibel Geeks. Decibel Geeks is his favorite podcast. And he heard me guest on the show. He's like, let me check this asshole shit out. (laughs) <laughs> and fell in love with our show too and i thought that was so great because you know a lot of our we've always preached decibel geek a lot of our fans love your show and because of how much we talk about you and have you and and chris on you know they've checked out your show we don't get as many crossover ones i think we offend a good portion of your audience at least one you get at least one yeah <laughs> so, one download so we're gonna take this guy and, and uh this is something that I kept putting off because the stars had to align right, you know, and so many times we planned to do this and for whatever reason it didn't work out, but I wanted to give him the extra special of having his two favorite shows combined, you right. know, and, and you know, when I told him that I was going to do this, he was so happy and he's like, can you do me a favor? Can it just be Aaron, you know, <laughs> and, and not, not Chris? And I, I said, sure, you know. Sure, I can make Why that happen. That? <laughs> We're, we'll get to that later. Well, we, we got a lot to talk about Rich later. 
But uh, hey, you know what we got to do here? We got to get to the news. So let's do it. Uh, happy to have Aaron here for this. Hell yeah. So, first story. Uh, John Crabby says he doesn't know when Mc, McMar's long-awaited song will see the light of day. And being that you're in Nashville, uh, the Nashville area, Aaron, do you ever see Karabi anymore or Mick Mars? Because they're both in Nashville. Do you ever see him just like at the Piggly Wiggly or anything? Uh, no. The guy that I always seem to cross paths with here in Nashville is Chuck Garrick from the Alice Cooper band. He's the guy I see at the Home Depot, and I want to go up to him and ask him, hey, do you know where there's any good guillotine oil in here? Don't <laughs> <laughs> bother him with that bullshit, but I always see him everywhere. Uh, John Karabi's got a thing coming up here in Nashville. I know he used to all the time around Christmas time, he would do Toys for Tots. He would do a show, a benefit deal. You could bring toys and donate them and you get in for free. And those shows were always awesome. But he's got a thing coming up here in Nashville where it's him and Anthony Quarter from Tora Tora. And I want to say a couple other people doing the show. So yeah, he's around Nashville still, but he's back with the Dead Daisies now. So he's probably not home as much right well just be careful with that toys for tot shit because <laughs> i went no i i went to one of those that ted nugent was doing oh nice. uh, it was called toys for twats uh, and it turned out to be it was one of those uh sting operations you know it was a bunch of creepy guys just showing up you know looking for kids and stuff you know and i i got out of there before i got thrown in the paddy wagon be careful that- Thankfully, the John Karabi one was nothing like that. Uh, I, I wouldn't think so. He seems like a stand-up dude. But, well, I think, uh, Mick- I'll tell you a funny story. I don't know if this if this has ever come up on Decibel Geek. It's It's been years and years ago. But we went to the Toys for Tots thing one time, and it was in this tent, and it was outside. It was cool. John Karabi's up there playing. He's bullshitting in between songs. And I'm in there, and, you know, I'm dressed up, and I got my hair and my bandana and stuff. And he stops, and he's talking between stuff. He says, hey, look, everybody, it's Axl Rose. (laughs) And I just instantly kind of yelled back, what the fuck is this? I thought this was going to be a Vince Neil concert. (laughs) Oh! That's what he does. He, oh! Oh, that's awesome. That's funny. I laughed about it, but it was like, because he said it over the microphone, and I'm staying away the hell over there, so I got to kind of yell back. (laughs) That's a classic line. Yeah. That's awesome. Ian reminded me, uh, somebody, I did this video a while ago. Somebody donated for me to put Britney Spears, Hit Me Baby One More Time versus Van Halen, Vangina's Balance. And... (laughs) And actually, balanced one, right? Because the whole time I'm doing this Britney Spears shit, I kept saying, "Dude, I don't feel right listening to this. <laughs> I feel it feels illegal listening to Britney Spears, right?" Then at the very end of the episode, the dude from Dateline NPC comes in my room <laughs> to catch a predator shit. <laughs> You can open the door, you're listening to Britney Spears. Britney Spears is a criminal offense if you're overage. <laughs> it should be, Andy. Well, the, the same thing, listen to Van Hagar. Yeah, but Van, <laughs> Van Hagar, I mean, actually, believe it or not, Britney got some points. But in the end, I was like, how the fuck 
I know you're doing this for me to like be biased and not give, but come the fuck. At least there's some guitars on this shit. Right, the, yeah. There's songs like Soda Pop, and it's just not right for a grown man <laughs> to listen to Britney Spears. It's not right. It's not okay. And I deserve to go to jail for that. Yeah, I bet you felt dirty afterwards. I did very oh. much. I got to go take a couple of showers. I felt like <laughs> Lee Gerstmann. Well, speaking of Mick Mars, too, on, on that story, you know, nobody knows when this, you know, said solo album is going to come out that John Karabi was part of. But now it's been released. Have you guys seen the story? Uh-oh. Y'all froze. Like a pedophile ring that Motley Crue members are involved with. You got this, you got this is, uh, Ian, you this got is no bullshit. Ian, you got you got to start because yeah. it froze. Oh, okay. Sorry. Anyway, I can't, I can't tell you one thing about the uh, Mick Mars solo album, and I can't tell you who told me, but it was somebody that would definitely know. Told me that there was an original version of the album that once it was finished, Mick Mars says, "I'm not releasing this." And the guy that told me about it was like, "Why? It's really good." And he was like, "No, I'm not releasing it." And he scrapped it, and supposedly was supposed to be starting over with something. So whatever the original one was that was already done, he said it'll never come out. Wow. Well, uh, I'm going to repeat the, the story. Uh, Ralph said I, I broke up on it. but And this is no bullshit, no joke. There was a headline that the attorney that's representing Mick Mars and all of this, you know, his lawsuit against Motley Crue, says that Mick Mars claims that members of Motley Crue are involved in a, like, pedophile ring. Like, pay to have sex with underage kids. And then this is no, I'm, I'm not making a joke here, this is really a headline. You guys can Google this shit and check it out. Um, Mick Mars hasn't come out, they haven't, like, officially quoted him, but they've quoted his attorney as saying this has been discussed and will be revealed, you know, if this lawsuit goes further. What? Yeah. Insane. Yeah. And you know it's it's Tommy Lee. <laughs> maybe, maybe Nikki, but you know it's definitely Tommy. I don't I don't think Vince cares at this, you know, point. <laughs> I think he just he just wants to eat and party. But uh those other two. You know, that that's some pretty fucked up you know, serious allegations. Yeah. And uh, we'll see what comes of that, you know. Maybe he might get paid off real quick after that. I know um, Matt, I know Matthew Trippi would never be involved in nonsense like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's he just had, kidding. He had integrity. <laughs> oh, Lord. Yeah, so. Fucked up shit going to Motley Crue. That's messed but, up. There's much more pedophile stuff to come up further in the news. All kinds of sick shit in the news this week. What? Yeah, we'll go next story. I didn't Uh, sign on for this. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's it's real now. Uh, Tim Ripper Owens names Judas Priest song and KK's preset that he's never sung before in his life. And that is the song Hell Patrol. And he says that's going to be part of their upcoming tour. great priest song the other thing i didn't like uh those if you read the article he really slams you know it's kind of you know what he's getting at he's saying oh it's such an easy song to sing 
but I've never done it, but it'll be nice to do it properly, you know, uh, unlike what priests can do right now. He said that? Uh, yeah. I'd fuck up. Yeah. You know, and I'm, I'm kind of like, okay, I, I get it you're on Team KK right now. But, you know, in the past, what I always loved about him is he never got involved in the dirt and slagging, you know, Priest and stuff like that. And I know he's pissed off because he wasn't invited to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And he, you know, keeps getting mad that Priest won't play any songs from his era. But I really don't, I don't think it's smart of him to start taking shots at Rob Halford. I, I think you're going to lose that one every time. Yeah. What do you guys think? You didn't read the full article. Oh, I didn't? Yeah, uh, at the bottom, he said that Rob Halford was also involved in a pedophile ring. <laughs> oh, man. Is every story going to involve pedophilia today? God, I hope not. It's one of those days. It's, 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 this is a kid show, man. <laughs> bringing me down. <laughs> oh, but, uh, yeah, I, I think he needs to stop that. Just do what you do with uh, KK, you know, and you, you don't have to slag priest to to make yourself look better. I wonder if he's done with interviews and KK goes, you know, that was a pretty good interview, but, uh, you know, you could have talked shit a little more. <laughs> yeah. All right, KK, I'm sorry. Next time I will. I promise. You know, you know, uh, KK's Priest new album came out yesterday. Yeah. yeah. I received it in the mail on Monday. Oh, nice. Yeah, I got it five. And it's awesome. But, you know, I will tell everybody out there, if you don't like the first KK Priest, you're not going to like this. Because it's pretty much in the same vein. I happen to love it because I'm a big traditional metal fan. And it's all traditional metal all the way through both albums. I think it crushes and I'm very, very happy uh, that I got this early, you know, earlier in the week. Well, we'll get into that later in the news, too. Uh, next story, not without its controversy. KISS played a three-song set at the 2023 Australian Football League Grand Finale. And uh, let's see, uh, they played after Crowded House. <laughs> I, I, I got a story on this. Uh, well, uh, go ahead. Well, uh, all I know is like, I saw it this morning on somebody posted it, and it was one of those kiss groups. And it said, oh my God, this is an amazing performance, blah, blah, blah. And all the comments under it were talking about how amazing this performance was. So I went and looked at it. It was 13 minutes of them lip syncing, nothing new, and Gene doing that. I don't know why he does that, Gene. When he's playing, he, and he looks at the crowd. He did not do that before. And he does that now, and it's annoying. It wasn't good, and then I wrote on it, I go, this shit sucks. And one guy wrote, oh, I get it. Only the original members matter. You're such a child. I don't even know this dude. <laughs> He's reprimanding you. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, bro, I even like Monster, man. Who the fuck are you talking to, you know? Idiot. Stupid kiss card. It sucked. <laughs> I thought it sucked. I thought, oh, cool. There's a lot of explosions and bombs around them. It has nothing to do with the music of the lip sync music and just a half ass performance. They're old. You know, Tommy Thayer and Eric Singer are like really the only animated members. Because they're not so old, you know, but whatever. The Kiss Tards loved it. They thought it was a phenomenal show. It's like crazy. Well, I'm surprised you didn't mention the bigger controversy about that performance. 
Uh, they performed three songs, I Was Made For Loving You, Shout It Out Loud, and Rock and Roll All Night. And my first thought is, you're in Australia, and you're not playing Shandy? I mean, come <laughs> That was your biggest fucking hit. But there in lies the controversy. Because they started with uh, I Was Made For Loving You, and then they actually started playing Shandy, but the tape was playing Shout It Out Loud. So if, <laughs> if you look closely, watch them, they're playing Shandy. But the boombox is playing Shout It Out Loud. And then they got it, you know, they fixed it by the time Rock and Roll All Night came on. But uh, very controversial. You know, I knew something was off because there, there's no way they're not going to fucking titillate those kangaroo fuckers with Shandy, you know. That's that their biggest hit there. You know, you know, after they stopped playing, they demanded them all to turn off their cameras because Kiss, after that performance, went to a pedophile ring. <laughs> <laughs> That's coming later. Oh, no. All right. The foreboding, man. I can't take it. Oh, man. Ralph, I know you did a, you did a video the other week about how much money that the uh, Foreigner Farewell Tour made on its first leg. Yeah. Do you remember do you remember how many million that was? I believe it was 18 million. I could be wrong. 18 million. Okay. You want to hear something that's going to make you even more sick? Disturbed Summer 2023 Take Back Your Life Tour has grossed more than 17 million. Who in the fuck is going to see Disturbed? In 2023, I have an easier time understanding Foreigner making that kind of money. But Disturbed? Yeah, it's, it's insane. I, I mean, but I don't keep up with shit like that. But yeah, I am aware Disturbed played because when I went to go see Rob Zombie and Alice Cooper at that amphitheater, there was posters there for Disturbed were playing there soon. And that's a big-ass fucking place. Was, yeah. Oh, yeah, Disturbed was headlining there, so... It doesn't surprise me, but at the same time, it's like, I don't keep up with none of this shit. Yeah. People like Disturbed and Godsmack just recently played down here, and uh, I don't keep up with shit like that. Huh. Yeah. Did, did you get on the Disturbed train, Aaron? I'm not a Disturbed hater. I don't, I, you gotta respect them. They've been around for a long time now. Here's something they do that might be revolutionary to some of our other favorite bands. They have consistently put out new albums over the years and just put out a new album, I think, either this year or last year. And so they're consistently giving it to the fans, you know, and Oh yeah, they are. When they uh <laughs> when they debuted when they debuted they were super popular. So you guys talk about timeline all timeline all the time. Think yeah. about kids that were there at the time when Disturbed and Godsmack were blowing up. To them, that band's a big deal. And they've been around so long that even they can kind of be considered legacy acts at this point. But the difference is they still continue to put out new music. So in some ways I'm jealous of Disturbed fans. Yeah. And Disturbed never been caught in a pedophile. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm aware of unless that's the next story. <laughs> Somehow they keep alluding that. Yeah, yes, they haven't been caught in that. <laughs> oh God. Now, here's something I started watching today, and unfortunately, I didn't get to finish. But there's a new documentary on Roger Waters uh, put out, I, I believe, on the BBC or something. It's, it's a British documentary. Uh, 
that Roger Waters rips, he says it's flimsy, he calls it a flimsy, unapologetic piece of propaganda. Uh, it basically, um, the whole thing's about him being anti-Semitic. And there's interviews with Bob Ezrin, who people may or may not know is Jewish, uh, a Jewish saxophone player who played with, um, uh, with him and his band. And uh, Roger Waters says it's complete bullshit, and it's all started by a bunch of hook-nosed Jews who uh, run the media. You know, that's where he fucked up. He should have never yeah. said that, because that, right there, that quote makes him look anti-Semitic, don't you think? But he actually kind of. <laughs> yeah, uh, if we say it on the show, it must be true, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> Always got to wonder with you guys, you know? We don't we don't bullshit here on the Rock and Metal Combat <laughs> Podcast. Uh, yeah, oh, I, I do not share those opinions. By the way, uh, Roger, I, I like Roger. Roger Waters, by the way, is uh, part of a Pakistan child uh, pornography ring. Yeah, yeah, but it's okay over there. They they don't have uh, consent. That's why I don't think he's anti-Semitic, because he's not part of uh, Israel uh, pedophile ring. He's part of Pakistan one. Don't you think an anti-Semitic would be part of the Israel? Whatever. Well, I hope you're his lawyer. (laughs) If it don't fit, you must have quit. Yeah, Roger doesn't really help his case. Uh, You know, I think he's a musical genius, but he does a lot of shit that I totally understand why he gets labeled that. You, you know, know, forget all that anti-Semitic thing. The biggest crime that dude did is redo Dark Side of the Moon. Have you heard <laughs> these fucking things? It's fucking word gibberish. Yeah. I, I've heard time up and them and a couple other ones. And he's just talking through it. It's horrible. Oh, yeah. We were oh, just you talking heard? about that where... Like, it's like, why would you do this? But then you see Nick Mason is raving about it, thinks it's amazing. Well, Nick Mason's the peacekeeper between them. He's the only one that's friends with, well, of course, Richard Wright's dead, but uh, he's the only one that's friends with with both. And he's always trying to get them to mend fences. Uh, I've heard it. I'm not impressed. Uh, I would like to listen to it as a whole before I pass, like, total judgment on it. But... At first glance, it sounds like some Leonard Cohen shit. I mean, you know, Ralph kind of hit it on the head. It is, you know, it just sounds like an 80-year-old man, and he's singing the lyrics like this. And what I really think it is, and a lot of people are calling him out for it, it, it's a fuck you to David Gilmour. You know, he's in a big fight, especially with uh, Gilmour's wife. Uh, Had publicly been going back and forth on social media and shit. And there's no guitar solos. Like, the guitar was... There's other instruments, but no guitar on this thing. So really what it is, is I wrote it, you know, and he's come out and said that, you know, this was always my baby, you know, this is more a Roger Waters thing than a Pink Floyd thing, always has been, which is ludicrous, you know. Does it it really matter? Because six months from now, nobody's going to care about this Dark Sun and go back to the 73 masterpiece. Yeah, no, it's really just, it, it, it's a fuck you, you know, as much as I, I love Roger and, you know, I've seen the last couple tours and mind-blowing, amazing, 
much better than, you know, Pink Fraud. Um, but, yeah, he just ain't helping his case. He just seems like a really angry, bitter old man. And uh, I don't think he likes the Jews, whether he, he'll come out and admit it or not. I think he just, he doesn't says too much shit to, you know, to really come to any other conclusion. But, you know, he's Roger Waters, I'm just a podcast, you know, superstar. <laughs> and humble, too. Yeah. All right. Uh, Mike Tramp on why he doesn't use the White Lion name for a solo band. Uh, <laughs> I like this. He's honest. He says, I tried and it cost me money. <laughs> so that's, I, I like seeing answers like that, you know, because he kind of backtracked a few years ago and, oh, it just didn't feel right without Vito there. He could give two fucks less. It's If he goes out as White Lion, he has to pay Vito Brada money to sit at home. And what the fuck is he making playing bars and county fairs, <laughs> you know, anyway? And then you got to split half of that with somebody who ain't even there. You know, let, let's get honest about this shit. I don't know. If you ask me, he'd make a little more money going out as White Lion, even if he had to pay Vito. Because going out as Mike Tramp. But he's done it. He 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 did it. He did a tour where he went out. I saw Mike Tramp with Enough Enough. Oh yeah, was he? Was that when he was going as Mike Tramp's White Lion? No, because because he, he has done that before, and, and he had to pay Vito out. You know, right? So I I think that's what happened. It just he wasn't making the money enough money to justify it. Because think about it, if he's got to do that. Not only does he have to give Vito that cut, but then he's got to pay his band too. And you know, what what's he doing? You know, probably open up for somebody to begin with. You know, so yeah, from a financial standpoint, you know. But hey, I like the transparency there. You know, yeah, it's, you know, I can't afford to. You know, but it, it might get a couple more people to go. Because there's probably, most White Lion fans don't even know Mike Tramp's name. They probably don't even know Vito Brada's name. No, they just You, you, you say know. White Lion and they're like, oh, when the children cry. I don't know. I think if you, because they weren't that big of a band, you know, that nowadays like White Lion's revered. In a certain community they are, but those are the people that know who Mike Tramp is. So the White Lion fans... They're hardcore enough to still go want, want to still go see White Lion. Will still follow Mike Tramp and will still go to those shows. Mike Tramp's actually a pretty cool guy. Years ago, Chris Sinzak set up an interview with us with Mike Tramp when he was in town here in Nashville. And on the way down there, I find out that Chris ain't gonna make it. And I'm like, well, you know, when he asked me about, it, I'm like, yeah, that's cool. You know, I'm not a big White Lion fan or nothing, but I just kind of follow your lead on it. I'm sure it'll be fun. And then all of a sudden, like, he's not going to be there. I don't have <laughs> questions prepared. I don't know shit about White Lion. <laughs> he was a cool guy, and it turned out okay. <laughs> no, I, I love that story. I heard it before. I mean, the funny thing, how the fuck do you like tough and you ain't no White Lion fan? <laughs> but here's the thing, like when when White Lion came out, it was like by the time I heard them, it was when the children cry, and I was like, oh, this is one of them bands that's for the chicks, and I yeah. didn't. But like a year ago, we did a best and worst of White Lion episode on Decibel Geek, and I found a new respect for that band, and they actually have some pretty damn good songs. They're deep. 
They're deep, deep cuts. But they're in some damn good White Lion songs. I like I like their first album, Fight to Survive. Yeah, that's the best one. Yeah, it didn't do much. It was the next album that exploded them, but Fight to Survive is good. With Dave the Beast Spitz was in the band. Yep. And all those guitar solos on that album weren't meant to be on the album. <clears throat> they were actually like what Vito had done, just fucking around, kind of laying a, a place for where he's going to put in his solo later. And then time runs out, and they end up having to put like them, them demo solos on the actual album. Oh, wow. And they're so freaking amazing. Yeah, yeah, it's not a bad album. I'm happy for you guys. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sure can have a beautiful marriage. Um, all right, next hey, story. It's going to be our our wedding song, our dance, <laughs> dance to win. Oh, shit. Uh, here's some fucking karma coming at you. Uh, Aerosmith has now postponed the Peace Out Farewell Tour till next year because Steven Tyler's vocal cord damage is more serious than initially thought. And, uh, and I, I mean, even though I don't wish anything bad on Steven Tyler, but I just had a bad, you know, something didn't sit right with me this last tour without Joey Kramer, you know, and Joey Kramer's still alive, you know, and, uh, you know, and I don't think it's by his choice. I don't think he's like, ah, fuck it, you guys go without me. I'll, I'll sit at home, you know, and, you know, look at fucking Peter Chris on those those Kiss tours when he came back. You know, he could have played to a click track like him or something. You know, they could have covered it up or something. Let Joey be there. Uh, but now, uh, and now there's nothing. And I'm wondering what he blew his voice out on. Do you think it was the old classics, or do you think it was like that fucking Armageddon shit he tried screaming <laughs> out that fucked them all up? You know, I'm, I'm thinking it might have been that shit. You know, you know, I don't know. But uh, Karma's a motherfucker. I don't know. I always look at the drummers and I think, you know, not only are drummers musicians, but in a lot of ways, they're all also athletes because what they do is very physically demanding. It's, oh, it's yeah. more than playing guitar. So like a football player that gets hit a lot, the most athletic players are the ones that have the shortest careers, you know, the ones that take the beating and that's a lot the same in a in a band that the musicians that are going to burn out the quickest are always going to be the drummers maybe maybe it isn't by choice maybe it's just you know what i'm hanging it up you guys probably should too you know what's going to happen you're going to go out on there out on the road you're going to blow out your fucking voice (laughs) you're going to break all your fingers trying to play sweet emotion and this fall apart and you're going to break your hip and you know, I'm not doing it. I'm staying home. I'm not stupid. I'm not doing this. But well, Aerosmith, I will give them credit for this. At least they're not using tracks. They went out there and fucking imploded on stage because they should be using tracks, I guess. Well, but they'd, sound, they'd sound better if they had tracks in their fucking arms. I'll tell you that much. Get yeah. back on the drugs and maybe write some good music. But... You know, there was all the drama. If you you know rewind a couple years, remember they were making him audition to play and all this shit. They were locking him out of rehearsals and wouldn't let him perform 
But look at what you got happening to, to Steven Tyler now. Look at the last couple of years, all the, you know, Joe Perry fucking, you know, having a fucking aneurysm or whatever while he's playing with Hollywood vampires. Those guys ain't in great shape fucking either. <laughs> you know what I mean? And and to keep him out, I, I, I'd be happier if the whole fucking ship went down. Like, let them all go out there and fucking have a stroke and shit, you know? At least they go out together. That's rock and roll, your brother, man. <laughs> yeah, go out together. And Tom Hamilton, I think he had like a stroke or something. No, he had throat oh, cancer. cancer yeah. poor, poor guy. If you, you don't see too many interviews with him nowadays because his voice, I mean, yeah. he sounds like one of those motherfuckers with the cancer kazoo and shit, you know? Uh, you know, but God bless him, he still gets up and fucking plays and everything. You know, the, the one who, like, always shines through, <laughs> Brad Whitford. <laughs> Nothing to, he's like the secret weapon of the band, gets no fucking respect, and he's just, like, sitting there like, yeah, look at all you assholes, you know. <laughs> you know no respect. And you all uh, going to die first, you mother. <laughs> look <yeah>. at me. <laughs> he, he's like, Where, where's, uh, where's Derek St. Holmes? I need to make another Whitford St. Holmes album. Oh, shit. All right. What else we got coming up? Oh, okay. Yeah, we'll get into this. Uh, we mentioned this earlier, the new KK's Priest album. Well, I got to admit, I got the first album, never listened to it. I think I might have heard the single, and it's one of those, eh, I'll check it out, I'll check it out. Never got around to it. The new album came out. I got it. Uh, didn't check it out. Then I saw there's a video up for the song Hymn 66. I was like, you know what? I need to check this out so I can talk about it. Tell the fans, you know, what I think of this. And I am a K.K. Downing fan. I, you know, I wish he was in the band. Uh, you know, I think it's it's pretty fucked up. They don't let him back in. I don't think it's right. Uh, so I wish him nothing but the best. Even though I think he should stop whining so much on social media and just do his thing. Uh but I'm like, let me check out this fucking track. Holy shit. I, I, you know, I can't give a full review of the, of the ent entire record, but this Hem 66. Oh my God. It starts out with this, like this goofy Dungeons and Dragons spoken word shit. I mean, it's like, you know, what is this? 1987? Does it sound like some bad Halloween shit? And he's like, oh, I'm going to come out of the forest and the dragon. And I, I don't know. It's, you know. I'm paraphrasing. But it, it was stupid. It, was, it wasn't cool like the beginning of the shout the devil or nothing, man. It just sounded so like, oh, this is, you're, stop, stop. And the funny thing is, even Ripper, I didn't like his voice on this. And I'm a, I'm a Ripper fan, um, particularly live. You know, I, I thought he was, I saw him twice with Priest and I thought he was fucking amazing. Much better than, you know, Jugulator and Demol Demolition were his studio albums. But even his voice, I don't know, it just sounds too, it doesn't sound like KK to me. It, it almost sounds like the rest of the band uh, has more involvement than him. And then he just comes and plays a solo, like the solo on the song is great. But the rest of it just doesn't fit to me. It, I don't know. It, it doesn't feel sincere. It feels like he thinks, oh, this is what younger people, you know, are playing and shit like that. I don't, it just came across as real fucking hokey and some power metal, like Dragon Force type fucking garbage. 
Uh, not a fan. Do you like? Do you like the song "Him 66 Row"? Yeah, yeah, I love the whole album, man. I think it's okay. Next, Aaron. Uh, <laughs> did, did you hear it at all? I haven't heard it. I haven't heard it yeah. yet. Hey, uh, you're a traditional metal. I have no problem with shit like that. Yeah. I love Halloween in 1986. Yeah. I love 1986. Bring me more music from 1986. <laughs> Fuck today's music. Give me 80s shit. <laughs> no, remember you said the cutoff is 84. 84 now. <laughs> yeah, you're right. No, no, no. Hey, uh, my point is, there was some awesome metal after 84. There's no... Con- but nothing yeah. touches Don't Break the Oath. 1984... Right. No, has never been bettered, but you know, right. you had the rain and blood in '86, dude. Master of Puppets, fucking, there was oh, a no. dude, Dr. Fucking Feel Good, bro. Like I said, um, <laughs> uh, come on, no, that was guess, funny. You gotta admit, that was funny. funny. Me saying that was, you, you made it funny. Oh, that was funny. That's <laughs> laugh. My, my thing is, to me, it sounded I was more. With. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, it's, I feel good. Fuck yeah. <laughs> it sounded more power metal than traditional metal. And I think traditional metal is what I would prefer. This sounded like oh, European there's a lot power of metal. Traditional metal. Also. Okay, well, I'll, I'll, I'll check out the rest of the album. I'm, this particular. Oh, you're not going to like it, dude. It's metal. Okay. Okay, yeah. Fuck that shit. I want some goddamn Enough's Enough. Me and Aaron are going to go listen to Enough's I'm Enough. I'm going to go to the, the Vangina bathroom. I'll be right back. But keep All on. right. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody laughs because when he exits, it's always into the women's room. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I saw that when we did the live stream. Oh, shit. All right. Well, uh, Dave Mustaine uh, went off on security guards at a place where I used to live, Bloomington, Illinois. And first off, if Megadeth is playing Bloomington, Illinois, uh, this tour ain't doing so well. <laughs> you know? But well, apparently, you said you lived there. I almost wanted to say, "Man, I'm so sorry to hear that." I'm glad you made it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's like, <clears throat> well, you know, Illinois is one of those towns where, I mean, one of those states where, if you don't live in Chicago, you don't live nowhere, you know. And Bloomington's like right in the middle of the state. It's a college town, you know, um, but uh, you know, not not a big metal market. But anyway, I guess the security was a little overzealous. And uh, Mustaine thought they were bullying the kids and stopped it. And I, I mean, I'm always for that. I, I like when they'll stop that shit, you know, and look out for your fans. And you knew that Mustaine meant it. Because when he stopped the show and started yelling at the security guard, he said, if this shit doesn't stop, I'm only playing songs off of Risk. <laughs> and, and so the, the, the were like, leave him alone. Yeah, yeah. So the security guard stopped, the, the show went on, and uh, then he played Trust. And they're like, why did we bother? We, we should just beat the shit out of the kid. Uh, but yeah, good good for him for sticking up for the fans. You I know? don't know. Sometimes I see this because recently we went and seen Queens of the Stone Age and saw the same thing where the dude from the band like said, hey, you, Mr. Security, don't mess with that guy. That guy is my friend. And I'm sitting there wondering, is like, is that real or is that just something that they all do now to like, you know, wow, he's so cool standing up for one of his fans. What a great guy. Let's go buy some of their T-shirts. 
You know, I wonder about that stuff because sometimes it seems like, oh, I'm starting to see this happen all the time now. Now, you're telling me there's an uptick in security guard violence, or is this all just a thing they do now? Like back when they put like iced tea in the Jack Daniels. <laughs> you know, yeah. you know, you know, it'd be cool, Aaron. If what you're saying is true, it'd be so cool. While that's going on, some insane psycho in the audience jumps and beats the fuck out of security <laughs> <laughs> You know what I mean? Hospital, uh, yeah. fucks them up, and Dave Dave yeah. would be like, oh shit, I didn't mean for that to happen. <laughs> well, that, that dude will be in the hospital going, motherfucker, either you paid for my bill, or I'm telling everybody that was bullshit. You, know? yeah, you sick them on me. Yeah. I, I think, you know, a lot of times you got to go case by case with those. Um, because I think we've all seen instances of, uh, you know, overzealous security guards, and I think we've all witnessed that. And then sometimes you just straight up have assholes at a concert that need their fucking chin check too. Yeah, that's my. I've, I've seen, I, I've seen both, you know, and you know, it, some situations have gone unattended. You know, you could see, you know, potentially other concert goers get hurt yeah. or the band get injured. But then I've also seen, you know, sometimes you got to look at who becomes security. You know, is this somebody that just wants to puff his chest and? show you how bad he is, you know, and he's just waiting for something so he can show you the new movie learned watching UFC, you know, and shit. Yeah, the problem, the problem with security guards, these are not licensed people. These are people that just come off the street. Oh, you want to work the show tonight? These are people with no licenses, no, no experience how to, you know, be security. I'm talking ones that are new on the job. You know, there's yeah. some that they're still off the street, but they, they've been security for years that they learn the ropes, but any security guard, anybody, I can go and say, I want to work security. And they can put me in there. I don't know shit about security, you know? Yeah. You know, look, I'm wearing a double deuce shirt, man. Fucking Roadhouse, you know? Not everybody's Patrick Swayze. You know, some people just, you know, some people are just assholes, so who knows? But either way, I I thought it was... When you talk about security, one of the very first jobs I ever had when I first moved to Nashville was a bouncer at the Deja Vu. And I quickly became known as the friendliest bouncer because the other security guards, they'd be waiting, just waiting to fuck somebody up. They'd be these big old badass dudes. And I'd be the one that'd be like, hey, man, hey, hey, I see what you're doing here, man. You need to put your fucking cocaine away and, you know, be cool in here, you know, don't be fucking snorting lines on the table right out here in the open. You see these motherfuckers back here? They're going to fucking kill you. They're going to drag you outside. They're going to beat the fuck out of you. They're going to take your drugs. They're going to take your money and they're going to be leaving you in a pile out in the alley, you know, clean it up. Let's have a good time here. And they'd be like, oh, fuck, man, I'm sorry. You know, you're right. And they put it away. They'd be like, I was just having so much fun. I forgot. Hey, man. Here's 50 bucks. Thanks for watching out for me. And them other bouncers, they'd be like, I don't understand why the fuck you get tipped all the time. I'm like, hey, the world's friendliest bouncer. But they would. They would. If you fucked up, they were waiting, waiting to take you outside and fucking leave you in a pile and take everything you got. Security yeah. can be a dangerous thing, too. Yeah. And, and that's the thing, you know. And, and look where this happened. Once again, you know, this isn't at Madison Square Garden. This is in like a, a D-tier market in bumfuck Illinois, you know? So I can only imagine what kind of 
security, you know, this guy just got done fucking a cow a, a half hour before the show, you know. <laughs> and the cow probably laughed at his dick, so he's already mad, you know. Yeah, way to but, go, uh, boy. Yeah, so, you know, good on Mustaine, though, for knowing how to really threaten you. Threaten him with that risk shit, and everybody will straighten up and fly right. Yes, sir. All right. All right. Well, Don Dawkins very upset. And, and, and not just because of the way he sings. He <laughs> says, if, if Donald Trump becomes president again, I'm moving to France. Yeah, um, sure, sure you are. <laughs> it, it wasn't, wasn't Cher moving to, to, to Canada or something? When uh, that's Trump what they say. <laughs> you know, yeah. you, you know who I respect? Miley Cyrus. She said, if Trump becomes president, I'm moving to England. And she actually did it. Did it? Yeah. Did she? I, that I respect. People actually do it. Not all these loudmouths. I think she's the only one that did it. Everybody else, Don Dock ain't got no money to move to France. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the funny thing I was getting at. He moved to New Mexico because he can't afford California. <laughs> now you're going to move to fucking France? I mean, God damn. And, and that, you know, people on both sides of the fence. I don't care what... You know, you always get those, I'm going to move, you know, Ted Nugent was going to do shit, you know, and, and you ain't going to do shit. You're going to bitch like everybody else <laughs> if your person doesn't win. You ain't moving nowhere. Get the fuck out of here with that shit, Don Dockin. Yeah, if everybody uh, that said they were going to move over an elected official actually moved, we wouldn't have a border crisis because we'd be filling, we're having to refill half the population, except none of them ever damn do it. It's all fucking <laughs> Yeah. Exactly. That's that shit's ridiculous. All right, what else we got here? Oh god damn! Now here's something I gotta admit. Uh, I, I I saw this story and I was like, oh my god, get the fuck out of here! And this guy said this twice in in the last two weeks. But after seeing what happened with uh, Disturbed, you might have a point. But Jacob E. Shaddix, whatever the, the, the goofy looking fucker from Papa Roach. He predicts Papa Roach will be one of the next generations of Metallicas. You know, you know, <laughs> you know what's really funny about that, Ian? You're looking at the article now, right? Yeah. Look at the picture they chose of that guy. I know he, he looks like he thought he was gonna fart all slick and just shit himself back. <laughs> they found like the goofiest picture of him. And and, and, and and the headline is, yeah, we're going to be like the next Metallica. And you see, like, <laughs> he's like, I got to dream big. You know, and the funny thing is, like, like Aaron was saying, and I'll, I'll have to admit, with Disturbed, not my bag, Daddy. I missed that boat. I missed everything that, uh, why they made it big. But they did have consecutive hit songs. They have continued to put out albums and tours. Papa Roach had that one fucking song, and that was it. That cut my life into pieces. I don't think I've ever heard another Papa Roach song, ever. And they're going to be the next fucking Metallica. (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately, I've seen Papa Roach twice. Oh, wow. One, because I took my niece to see um, Eminem. And he was actually, uh, it was another rapper on Papa Roach opening that show. Then it was one of those Motley Crue fests. That my friend David Lovett got me front row. So it was yeah. Buck Cherry, uh, Papa Roach, 6 a.m., and Motley Crue. 
Man, you want to talk about <laughs> of all band sucking? <laughs> the only cool thing I can say about that show was the singer of Buck Sherry was wearing Iron Maiden sneakers. That was the coolest thing about the whole show. Wow. See, I saw Papa Roach live one time, and this is, like, always my story of, you know, have you ever gone and seen a band live that you didn't think you were going to like, but you actually ended up liking? And that was Papa Roach. We went because it was like a multi-band thing at the River Stages in Nashville where they play out on a barge on the river, and then everybody else stands on the shore. And it was supposed to be Cheap Trick was one of the bands, and that's who I really wanted to see but there was like a torrential downpour and Cheap Trick couldn't play. So later on in the night, all these bands end up doing acoustic sets because everything got flooded. And Papa Roach was one of the bands that came out and played and they were good. They were really good. It was cool to see how they threw it together to change the new acoustic thing. But I think they kind of won me over because I had my kid with me. My wife likes Papa Roach is the reason we were there. Plus Cheap, plus cheap Trick. And, but I had my kid, he was standing up on this thing and I was holding on to his belt and they st- dude stopped the show he said everybody stop the show stop the show and they said who's this rock and roll little kid up here and they're, we're close enough where he yells my name is Ace you know he's like Ace are you having a good time tonight and he said Ace says yeah and he goes your dad is fucking awesome for bringing you down here tonight he's like woo that was pretty awesome and they have one album called the Paramore Sessions where they don't do like all the effects and the rap rock new metal stuff it's actually a straight up rock album I dig that one actually quite a bit there's some really good songs on there but it's the one anomaly it's like their elder their music from the elder because it's different from all the rest that's the one I actually think is kind of cool yeah, for real. That's a real story. <laughs> <laughs> Send all your hate mail, Kara Desmond Geek Podcast, If they become the next Metallica, it's his fault. Well, no, it's because when when Metallica and Megadeth and Slayer and all the other metal bands are dead and they don't play anymore, Papa Roach will still be around. And then, therefore, they will be that generation's Metallica because they'll be one of the last bands standing at that point so well, everybody else is dead then it's Papa Roach time <laughs> well, if you ask the me only... I think they're going to be the next spin doctor uh, uh. the only way I'll ever see these assholes is if they're opening up for crazy town <laughs> and I'm just going to see the fight <laughs> oh, what was that guy's name from crazy town remember that shit Shifty Shell Shock. <laughs> He's shifty. Oh my god. JJ French said, what a stupid name. <laughs> oh god. Well, uh, I saw a lot of people, uh, I saw mixed emotions on uh, the debut single off the new Rolling Stones album, uh, Hackney Diamonds. Uh, the song was angry. Uh, they just released a second uh, single off of it, this time featuring Stevie Wonder on keyboards and background vocals of Lady Gaga. It's called Sweet Sounds of Heaven. Uh, it's a ballad, and I listened to about half of it. Wasn't too bad. You know, 
was kind of, I've heard better ballads from the Stones, of course, but uh, it wasn't too bad. It, it's better than what, you know, I was expect when I saw Lady Gaga, who, I respect her, I don't listen to her music and stuff, but I think she has talent. Uh, normally, you know, when she sings with Tony Bennett, I like that better than her, her pop shit. But, um, uh, hey, it wasn't bad. Any of you guys heard the new song? Yeah, I thought it was terrible. Yeah? I, I hate you, it. I hate it. What'd you think, Aaron? Eh, it ain't nothing special, really. It's I loved Angry. I love that song. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah, but I'm talking, yeah, Angry is pretty cool. I loved it. I haven't heard the ballad, but it's just, it's okay, you know? I mean, it's cool that the Rolling Stones are still coming out with albums. Can't really expect it to be really awesome. So, yeah. All right. It's okay. Yeah, I've definitely heard worse. Uh, let's I like see. Oh. <laughs> Here we go. I know what, you know, you guys have been thinking and the audience is listening, uh, you know, has been thinking. When are we going to get back to more pedophilia? Well, here we go. I almost forgot. <laughs> yeah. Former Leonard Skinner drummer Artemis Pyle is putting out a new album called Anthems, honoring the music of Leonard Skinner. And, uh, you know, he, he's a well-known pedophile. And to top <laughs> it off, he's got another pedophile on the album, Sammy Hagar. <laughs> and I'm just like, wow, birds of a feather flock together. This is just such a like, hey, I'm going to put out, you know, greatest hits, you know, of all, you know, get, you know, I'm a pedophile drummer. I'm, I'm going to get my pedophile friends to sing on the album. And what's fucked up is it's so obvious what this is about. And, and it's the, the it's a charity album and the proceeds uh, go to defense funds for pedophiles. Uh, what's the name of the, uh, what is it? Love Knows No Age is the name of the charity uh, that all proceeds are going to. But I, I think this is another one where it's going to be, you know, to catch a predator. Because even Ted Nugent, uh, you know, backed down because he's like, no, it's just too obvious. We're all going to get busted. And he was going to sing, uh, play guitar, and sing on Artemis Pyle's most famous contribution to Leonard Skinner, which is Give Me Three Steps, which, you know, is, is a song about pedophilia, you know, because that's his <laughs> rule. You know, if they crawl, it's off limits, but give me three steps. You know, if you can walk towards me a little bit, you know, play ball. It's fucking gross. <laughs> yeah. Bob, yeah, Bob, it's fucking by the gross. way, Bob, Bob Burns was their drummer when they did Jimmy Keystone. Yeah. Yeah. Bob replaced him. Yeah. Fake news. Yeah. Fake news. Because this, this whole thing got me, you know. Hey, I, speaking, I, of, speaking of fake news, I know there's going to be some idiots out there that's going to say it's fake news that we're saying Sammy Hager's a pedophile. And then they'll say, where's the proof? And I say to them, Proof these nuts. We're talking about Sammy Hagar, okay? Yeah. Just go with it. Oh, wait, dude, this is a rabbit hole I went down. Oh, no. So I start I started looking into this. And, you know, turns out there's a pizza parlor where Sammy Hagar and Artemis Pyle and Ted New, all these pedophile Motley crew 
they all meet up at and they get with these kids. I, I looked at the fucking the, the QAnon shit. There, there's numerology behind this. This is the first like Artemis Pyle uh, pedophile tribute album, the first one. The third song features Sammy Hagar. One and three equals four. Four is not only the amount of dicks your mom can fit in her mouth, it's the age that these pedophiles start fucking kids at. I mean, it's just, it goes on and on and on. You know, it's terrible. And then, you know, people like, oh, you know, yeah, everybody knows Artemis Pyle's a pedophile, but, you know, where's your proof with Sammy Hagar? He's not only doing this tribute album, he's going to be on another tribute album called Filipino Boys Have Fine Asses Celebrating the Music of Gary Glitter. And not only is he covering, uh, you know, Gary Glitter's Rock and Roll Part 2, He's on a bonus track. He's doing the original version of his Montrose song, Bad Motor Scooter, but with the original lyrics called I'm Gonna Fuck You on Your Hot Wheel. Yeah, that it, that's what it was called. Ronnie Montrose put a stop to it. And, and I, I heard this for years, and I didn't think, yeah, sure, it was called I'm Gonna Fuck You on Your Hot Wheel. Mooger Fuger sent me, he's got the new deluxe, you know, Montrose first album. They put out all the demos and shit, you know, live tracks and shit, and it's on there. I'm going to fuck you on your Hot Wheels, Sammy Hagar, you know. I believe do your own re- Do your own research. But I, uh, there's some... I love that Ian does a lot of research. He comes up with... I do. I do. This shit's important. People need to know. Yeah, no, very informative, uh, my friend. I'm really kind of feeling bad because, like, this... This rock and metal combat news segment is like way more informative than GeekWire. Like I'm learning so much that I never knew before. Well, Ian doesn't. Oh, yeah. Ian, Ian goes in the rabbit hole on the interwebs. I know. And, and what's the way all the shit I was looking up on the computer this week? I, I'm gonna have to get Pete Townsend's lawyer. I was just doing research. <laughs> you know, you do all the uh, metal combat podcast research on the dark web. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's... Everybody else is looking at Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not everything's on Wikipedia, but yeah, that, that's some sick shit, and they're not getting my money. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> not getting my coins. Wow. All right, what else we got here? Hopefully that's the last, you know, pedophilia story we got oh oh yeah more sammy hagar yeah pedophilia pedophilia Uh, okay all right all right well while uh aaron's gone holy shit did you see that new story on uh paul rogers yeah he had a bunch of strokes right Boy, did you see the picture? He sure fucking looks like it, too. Did you watch the, the interview? No. Yeah, me either. I was too busy looking up fucking pedophiles on the dark web. <laughs> but he, his face is like, uh, you know, like, I don't know. I wonder if he talks funny now. He doesn't look right in the picture. I don't know if they just took a bad picture of him, but it looks like somebody, you know, had a stroke or like Bell's palsy, where, you know, the mouth is kind of drooping a little bit and shit. Yeah, I think he said he's not touring anymore. Okay, well, good for him, because I think he said he's had eight mini-strokes. Or, like, he's had eight strokes 
like six mini strokes and, and two bad strokes. That's that's too much different strokes, man. He just needs to fucking chill. Take it fucking easy. Oh, uh, he was taking it easy and chilling when he had the stroke. <laughs> no. Oh man. Oh, I got a story. Okay. Um Paul Stanley made fun of Meatloaf in some recent interview. Yeah, what what happened there? I saw the headline. I saw Thinking Stanley made a video, but I haven't seen it yet. Oh, I haven't seen the Thinking Stanley video, but what it is is that that show they played recently. Milo played it like ten years ago, and he was terrible. And, yeah. And here's Paul Stanley saying, "Oh, we're not going to be like Milo." He had to bring him up, and it's like you, the guy that sings the tape, sing without the tapes, and let's see how good you sound. Sick of it. That. That's pretty fucked up for Paul to do that. That's something I'd expect out of Gene. And Gene, when Paul said it, Gene's face was like, ooh, damn. <laughs> well, it is kind of not only the fact that Meatloaf's dead, but, you know, Paul's always the one to bitch when Gene says shit like that. You yeah. know? Like when Gene was talking shit about David Lee Roth and all the other shit, you know, all the other people Gene shit on. Paul's always like, I take the high road. I wouldn't do that. I don't agree with everything that Gene says, <laughs> you know. So the, the fact that now Paul's doing it, and and again, you know, people in glass fucking houses. Yeah. Paul saying shit about Meatloaf. Yeah. He made fun of Meatloaf's voice. Wow. Because yeah, that show they just played, Meatloaf played it like ten years ago, and it became controversial because Meatloaf was really bad at that show. Yeah. So Paul brings it up like, oh, it's not going to be like Meatloaf. Uh, you know, which is making, yeah, and of course it's not going to be like Meatloaf because you're going to go up there and sing the tape. Right. You know, you're not going to be singing live like Meatloaf was. Let's see you sing live with no tapes and let's see if you're any better than right. Meatloaf. Unbelievable. That's kind of like the same thing with Aerosmith. You know, they could have easily went out there and just used tapes because that's appears to be the acceptable thing nowadays but they didn't fucking do that you know and that uh, kiss yeah it's it's tough man because kiss has been my favorite band for as long as i can remember but it's fucking difficult nowadays because not really proud of them and what they're doing right now you know and in this instance i would side more with aerosmith and be like you know in this instance i way more respect aerosmith for going out and fucking trying to do it blowing up his throat and going right. well fuck we tried you know i would rather yeah, see that i can respect the hell out of that a lot more and now uh, you're not just a new drummer like joey kramer <laughs> and you know ralph I, I watched one of your videos you recently put up uh you know about the lip syncing and bands using these backing tracks and and you were you were spot on as always boss um <laughs> But, you know, it used to be doing something like that, your career was over, like Millie Vanilli. You know, it's, it's like it was done. And now not only is it acceptable, but you even see a lot of musicians. You know, it's one headline after the other on Blabbermouth. This guy says it's chicken shit. This guy says it's okay. And it's damn near 50-50. You know, and this is amongst the other bands. And it's not all like old bands, like younger bands are saying, yeah, that's okay. That's all right. And you also brought up a good point is you might as well be honest because honestly, the people who go to these shows in masses would not care. 
it's us, the diehards, that are offended by it. You know, and a lot of times, you know, we're not going to this shit anyway. You know, you know, because we know, you know, if you love this music, you stay current with what's happening and you know what's going on. You know, you're like, I'm not spending my money on that. But the majority of these people who go to these shows are not blabbermouth. They, they, a lot of times, they don't know who's playing in the band. They just hear a band, oh, I listened to them 20 years ago. We ain't doing nothing Friday night. Let's go. You know, and as long as they hear the songs they know, they could give two fucks. I think, you know, I, I think the worst part of this whole lip ticket thing, by far more, more than anything, is that bands don't let us know. That's the part that pisses me off. That's false advertising. If And I always say, dude, if bands come out and say, look, we're using tapes, it's not going to hurt ticket sales because it's me and you and Aaron that are not going to go. But man, we don't matter. Kids have been playing this end of the road to tape for how many years now? Constantly selling out arenas. And you know, you know, even the people that don't go on Blabbermouth know that shit's tape. I mean, kids have the story of using tape and they still fill arenas, which shows you that people don't care. Don't care, you know. But th there's no shame anymore either, because back in the day, I mean, this shit's been going on for years. Let's be honest, to, to different degrees. But I mean, I mean, look back when we were coming up. Look how many bands had a keyboard player that you didn't see. Gary Corbett, you know, is, is behind the stage. You know, you got Robert Mason singing for Ozzy in the fucking '90s and shit. You know, this shit's been going on forever, but people were ashamed about it. You know, and, and now. A lot of them don't even care. I mean, some some will sit there and lie, even though they get busted. And other bands have no shame. Like, yeah, we're doing this. And I mean, you'd have to be a fool with a lot of these bands not to think it's going on. I mean, you, you tell me back in the '70s when Kiss played Beth, that wasn't a fucking tape, you know, of right. the orchestra. And I mean, yeah, his vocals were live, but you know, I'm not going to take that away from Peter. But uh, you know, there, there's no orchestra backstage. They're playing a fucking tape, you know, and. Bands have been doing that, you know, power ballads and shit like that that have all the, the shit, you know, and bands, especially in the 80s when they started using keyboards. But it wasn't cool to have a fucking keyboard player on stage. You know, you hid that motherfucker in the back. But if, you know, if you fucking listen, you go see Kiss on the Crazy Nights Tour and you don't think there's fucking keyboards going on. Well, you know, they had Bruce Kulik <laughs> sit there and play for, like, uh, Reason to Live or some shit, you know, but... There's always lies, you know? But back in the day when Robert Mason was singing for Ozzy, if that shit broke, it would affect that tour. You get yeah. Robert Mason today to sing for Ozzy, go pack in a week. People don't care. Yeah. Well, you got Ozzy up there, they don't care if he's singing or not. Yeah. think Ozzy. What happened? This is like bizarre world, isn't it? Well, it's kind of like when when Chris showed me a video of Bon Jovi, where John Bon they're just croaking, but oh, you yeah. the audience and they're going fucking nuts because they're singing the songs. Right, they're right. Along with them, they don't even care what he sounds like. They're singing along with them. It's it's not about that. It's about the song. It's about us having a good time. It's weird, you know. And, like, and I gotta respect the guy. He didn't use tapes. Right, yeah. You know, you know, and you got to also give it to Aerosmith too on the fact that they didn't make their new drummer just dress up like Joey Kramer. 
Yep, like Eric Singh. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, man, I saw that Bon Jovi shit, man. That was fucking hard. And I, I'm not a Bon Jovi, bon Jovi fan by any means. I felt bad for the guy. Yeah. I, I thought, mean, that I, was like... Personally, I thought he sounded better. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It was no better roses, man, let me tell you. It was rough. Oh, shit. All right, what else we got going on here? else? Anything else new? Uh, let's see. Oh, I saw, boy, there's some controversy here. Uh, did you see uh, Joe Lynn Turner just became a father at, uh, what is he, like fucking 85? Uh, you know, but but he has like he has a very young, uh, you know, like Russian bride. I don't I don't think she was mail order. I think he went over and picked her up because that's the only place he tours is Russia. But uh, it was it was controversial because of his age and everything. A lot of people were saying, uh, you know, is, is this really your kid? But the kid came out with no hair. Uh, so they figured out it was Jolyn Turner. So congratulations to him. No you hair know. and born with mascara. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so kudos to you for still getting it up at 97 there, Jolyn Turner. Oh, yeah. yeah rocking that awesome. wig. He named, yeah. his kid, he named his kid Black Man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> of course, you know, he's, he's lucky that kid, you know, he'll, he'll die before that kid's old enough to know what he looks like. <laughs> oh, shit. All right. Uh, what else we got here? Man. Oh, uh, Dave Mustaine is praising uh, their new touring guitarist. I'm going to fuck this up. Timu Manstrasari or something like that. Anyway, saying he plays a lot like uh, Marty Freeman. And, man, everything coming out of <laughs> Dave Mustaine's mouth is Marty Freeman. Marty Freeman. Playing with Marty Freeman. Uh and if fucking Cuckoo don't get back soon, I, I don't know. He might throw some money at Marty Freeman. Because, yeah. uh, boy, talk about bad timing. All, all these, you know, uh, now we've had two appearances with Marty Freeman. And then fucking Cuckoo got to take a leave of absence and shit. And now they got this guy in there. Uh, man. Cuckoo. <laughs> yeah. Hey, he's a great guitar player, man. You know. Cuckoo and then he said, you know, no former Megadeth member has ever gone on to do shit after I fired him. Except yeah. Friedman. Yeah. Which is true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, I, I tell you what, they might have not done much musically, but uh, I know a bass player who can still pull the kids in. Uh -huh. You know, just saying. Oh. <laughs> what? What? So he's grooming a little bit, you know? Take pride in your hair. Ah, uh, alright, what else we got here? Uh, you gotta, you gotta, look. Everybody um, fucks with Junior because he got caught masturbating with some chicken. But what people don't put into account is that he's legally a preacher. And that's what they do. It's part of a preacher's thing to masturbate over the phone, right? Unless they're with little kids, they don't do it. I'm, I'm going to go back to church. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and the thing is, you know, 
he waited until she was of age. You know, he did all the groundwork while she was a kid, you know. But, you know, at least he waited till she was 18. You know. What an Come idiot. On. Seriously. What a fucking idiot. I wouldn't even do that myself, and I'm no celebrity. <laughs> and the guy's a dealer celebrity, but still, he's very well known in the metal circles. And this idiot masturbates on the phone or to a young girl that you know how young girls are they'll show it to one person they'll show they ain't gonna keep that shit personal to them but she showed it to the wrong motherfucker because the thing is she didn't want to expose dave david Ellison. she just showed it to the wrong guy or a girl whoever it was that exposed it but there you go he what he was doing was with a girl that would not tell on you, but will share it with other people, which is just as bad. Sure, it's like a uh, internet groupie, I guess. You know, they got to go back and brag to their friends the next day, right? I've never, believe it or not, and you know my stupid reputation. In my whole <laughs> life, I have never sent one dick pic to any chick ever, <laughs> ever. I have to transitioning people, but never to a female. Ah, okay. I didn't mean that transitioning thing. I was trying to be funny, but that shit bombed. That shit was unfunny. I just did a freeform rock podcast moment on our show. Way to Stop go. it. Stop it. Jeez. I send pictures of my cock to my wife all the time. Yeah, but that's different. It's your wife. Oh, yeah. But, you know, I mean, Dave Ellison married and he's sending it to some other chick. I mean, dumbass. Right. I mean, I don't, I've never, I've been married for a long time. I've never cheated on my wife. One, because I love my wife. And two, because I know damn well any other young girl I fuck around with is going to go crazy and ruin my marriage. Yeah. And I love my wife, so I won't do it, you know? And so you just don't put yourself in situations like that. I like Dave Ellison. He made a mistake for sure, you know, by putting himself in that situation, but they were consenting adults. I don't really give two fucks about it, you know, it doesn't bother me, but it was kind of a dumb thing to do. Got it. it you know, it ruined him. He, he may think, you know, because he's very busy now with a bunch of crappy bands and trying to stay relevant and shit like that, but Dave Ellison is going to be goofed on for the rest of his life for what he did. Yeah. He's going to be goofed on. Nobody's going to forget this shit. I know he's dying for people to forget it, but nobody's going to forget what he did. Well, last time we did GeekWire, Chris had brought up, like, the different headlines over the past amount of time on Blabbermouth dealing with Dave Ellison, and it's always like he's got a handle on it, and it's always like the headlines are double in, in tendre about gripping it, grabbing it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's been going on for a while, and when you really look at, like, these headlines, it's like, holy shit, that really is happening. That's not a conspiracy. That's real. Yeah. I remember there was a a blabbermouth headline a couple weeks ago that was hilarious. I forgot what it was, but I had to do something like double entendre could have been, like, jacking off. Yeah. It's it's all the time it's happening. (laughs) But what I don't understand is, you know, he loses his job and basically his career 
over grooming. And nothing's happened to Sammy Hagar yet. You know, and you want to talk about grooming. Listen to those fucking lyrics. Okay, that's shit for fucking kids. I mean, goddamn, it's it's horrible shit only a, a kid could fucking understand. That's grooming. I mean, his lyrics make Brett Michaels sound like fucking Maya Angelou. You know? That's grooming. He's he's getting these little kids, you know, ready for his three lock box and shit and God he's the reason fucking aliens won't make first contact. Fucking Sammy Hagar. I'm telling you, look at the Sammy Hagar fans, they're retarded. <laughs> oh, I, I you know personally. I mean, look at Bushy and the yeah. other. They're, they're retarded. Yeah. They're dumb. And, 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 and I've, I've said this a million times. The only thing worse than Sammy Hagar is his fans. You ever seen a Sammy Hagar fan? They're all fucking short eyes. Every one yeah. of them. You know they're yeah, fucking short one, eyes. One of his fans I didn't treat like shit in, in, in uh, Nashville. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you know he's grooming somebody right now. <laughs> Terrible. Go back with the next door and I'll fill my glass again. I drink too much. All right. Back in the bathroom. Let's see here. Oh, man. Here, here's some sad news. Steve Brown says Trickster will never reunite with Mark Gus Scott. And... Uh, you know, man, I mean, that's the band everybody's been waiting to get their shit together and, and put out another album. And it, and it looks like with the original lineup, it's not going to happen. And then he went on to call the drummer adequate at best. Well, I got to ask you, being that you're the resident expert on this band, is that like a, uh, a classic era drummer for them, for Trickster? Well, they only had the one lineup, you know, and... Uh, you know, and for him to call the drummer adequate at best when it's a whole band of people who are adequate at best. Uh, I, 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 I have to disagree. I saw that story, and I even did a little post about it saying, adequate at best in a band that's not even adequate. <laughs> they need to call me, because I don't know how to play drums, and we can all suck together. Hey, they're of age. At least it's not grooming. But, uh, oh my God, they were so horrible. When I saw them open up for Kiss, I mean. Yeah, I, I, I mean, would not I would not join Trickster now. I think about it because I believe they're part of a pedophile. Oh my God. And, and, and what's your thoughts? You're, you're the big uh, ace guy, you know? Uh, how do you feel about Steve Brown being the, the Spingali? behind ace's new record are does that scare you or you like the guy, the guy from danger danger too it's oh man him <laughs> and bruno ravel oh this shit keeps getting worse by the minute. <laughs> so, so on the last geek wire on the last geek wire chris brought that up and i was said and i said then and i say it now if you'd have told me you know when i was a teenager or whatever that someday the dude from Firehouse and the dude from Danger Danger were going to be helping out Ace with his new album. I'd have been like, no! <laughs> but Chris pointed out those guys are both huge Kiss fans and probably just want the best for Ace and want to give it to Kiss fans the way they want it. So maybe, maybe it's a good thing. No, it's not. Okay. No, no it's not. No. Okay. I wish, right. I wish I could say what I want to say. 
So let's just say it's not. No. Well, I'm gonna say I've this heard, right I've now. I've heard other people say it's awesome. Yeah, well, okay. Those well, people need their hearing check. I want I want to have you back, Aaron. When the, when the new Ace album comes yeah. out, I want to have you back on and, and review it with us. Yeah, man. I don't want to hear no nothing to make me worried. Ace has never really let me down. Some albums are better than others, but there's always awesome stuff on each one. All right. Well, we'll we'll have you back when the new album comes out. Okay. And, uh, Looking forward well, to that. God damn! Really, the guy from Danger Danger Two? Holy shit! <laughs> damn! <laughs> now all we now all we need some fucking Bobby Doll in this motherfucker. <laughs> Yeah, they need, they need to get the guy from Shark Island to help with it. <laughs> Anybody available from Firehouse? Vincent. How about Vixen? Oh. Get one of those broads to help? Oh, man. Oh, more bad news. Ozzy says he wants to record a new studio album. Yeah, that's horrible. And... Why? <laughs> Why do you say that? Patient oh, number nine was fucking awesome. What? Yeah. Oh, really? You didn't you like, like me? No, I liked one song, the one he did with Naomi. Did, did you like Ordinary Man? Yeah, no, no, I didn't really care for Ordinary there Man. There was not one song on there. At least there was a song on Patient 9 I liked. But, I liked most of Patient Number 9, and I liked a couple of songs off of Ordinary Man, but not most of it. Well, well that's, where, that's where I disagree with you and Ian. I'm not a fan of that album. Huh. I don't like that album either. <laughs> really? I wanted to hear. I wanted to see your reaction. I thought but, my Asazi album was damn good. <laughs> but the good news is uh, this new album won't be with Andrew Watt, who produced the last two albums. Uh, apparently, he's working with the keyboard player from Sleaze Bees, and uh, <laughs> and the drummer from Rhino Bucket. So I, I got I got big hopes for this one. And the draw and the all and the inadequate from Trix will be helping. <laughs> oh man! Yeah. <laughs> Let's see what else we got. Um, here's a, I don't know if you guys have, have heard it uh, yet or not, but have you heard the new single from Steve Riley's L.A. Guns? I love it. I love it. Let me tell you something, man. I know a lot of people won't agree with me. I've heard about five songs from the Steve Riley thing. Dude, yeah. I love that shit more than that Black Diamond L.A. Guns album that's been released. I like the scab L.A. Guns more than the real L.A. Guns. I think it's really good. Yeah, I agree with that. I think I, I, they shouldn't. They're selling themselves short by calling themselves L.A. Guns. They're oh, yeah. music is strong enough that they could call themselves something else and still be earning a reputation as a kick-ass rock band that people would be interested in. They don't need it. I don't think they need the L.A. Guns shit, you know? Just well, think you're good enough. I, I disagree with you there. I think at this day and age, you know, with, you know, a 70-year-old drummer, I, I think they need that name to trick people into coming. But, and even though I haven't heard the new songs, I have seen live performances of Stephen Riley's L.A. Guns. 
And I got to tell you, I really like that singer, man. He can do Phil Lewis. And I, I, I haven't heard the original material, but the shit they did. And Steve, uh, I believe Kelly Nichols, the original bass player. Yeah, the bass player from the popular lineup of, of L.A. Guns is in the band. And I thought they sounded damn good. You know, I, I mean, I'm, I'm a fan of L.A., you know, especially the first three, really. The others I don't know as well. But um, I listened to some of the Black Diamonds or whatever, the, the newest one with uh, Tracy and, and uh, Phil. And it was all right, but it kind of seemed a little desperate, like they're trying to be too modern, just be L.A. Guns, you know? Uh, but, yeah, when I saw Steve Riley's, I think it was from one of those M3 festivals or whatever where it's all the 80s cock rock shit. Uh, I was impressed. Well, I haven't seen none of that footage, but I have heard at least three to four songs. Yeah, no shit. Yeah, the first time they released the song, I was like, oh, let's listen to this garbage. And I was like, whoa, man, this shit's pretty good. Then the next one was even better and even better. And I think the one they released today was the best out of all of them. I'm like, damn, every single song I've heard from this version of L.A. Guns is freaking awesome. Yeah, well, I, got the, I got their first album, and it's really good, too. Oh, I didn't even know that. They have an album. Uh, yeah, this is their second. The stuff that's coming out now is going to be on their second album. Oh, okay. I wasn't aware yeah. they just thought they released singles. Yeah, come to think of it, I think I've got the first album and I haven't checked it out. But it makes it makes sense because it was produced and they co-wrote all the songs with the guitar player from Hurricane Alice. So, you know, a lot of these, you know, legacy bands are going, you know, going back and getting help from, uh, you know, some of these, you know, bands from the 80s and shit. So, right Bert. on. <laughs> hey, I saw Hurricane Alice. <laughs> yeah, I know. I like yeah. that. Pretty good. I, I saw them. Uh, it was uh, Hurricane Alice, Bad English, Skid Row, Great White, and White Snake on the Slip of the Tongue tour at Alpine Valley. Wow, nice. <laughs> and me and my buddy, I think we, we were 15, I think, and we split a six pack and passed out. Passed out during Hurricane Alice on the lawn, woke up, and Bad English was playing. And went back to sleep. Fuck this when I see you smile, garbage. <laughs> yeah, that was like pussy cat. Wake me when it's over. God damn it. Oh shit. Uh, <laughs> here's a little bit of irony. Um, uh, suicidal tendencies frontman Mike Muir fell off the stage while performing. You can't bring me down. <laughs> <laughs> That's. I know, and, and what I, uh, I feel so bad for him is, you know, it's been legendary over the last, like, I think almost 20 years, all the back problems he has and, and the surgeries he's had to have that's kind of really derailed uh, this second half of their career. So it's probably even worse when he fucking falls off stage, you know. But uh, he got up, and it's funny, you see one roadie come out, I don't know if you guys saw the footage. No, yeah. One roadie comes out, then you see another one freak out, and they get him, they, they go down in the pit and pick him up, and uh, he got right back on stage, pretty spry, and started moving around, doing the mic shit and stuff, you know, but uh, yeah, that, you know, you do a song called You Can't Bring Me Down, and then you fall off the fucking stage. <laughs> that shit's funny, I don't care who you are. Oh, let's see. Right. I'm glad he's okay. Yeah. Yep. 
Uh, let's see. I, I think, uh, yeah, we, we've gone through the news. And uh, damn it, let's get into this album. Right. And, you know, again, to give some more uh, context to this and why this episode is so special to me uh, is because of Rich Canamere. You know, and I already told the story about how, you know, he loves both of our shows, so I wanted to, you know, bring us all together. But sometimes you got to do something a little extra special for somebody that does so much for others. And this guy, I mean, you've met him at Rockin' Pod. Uh, you know, all of us. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we, we all met him. And this guy, not only a hardworking SOB, He's a terrific father to two children, and you want to talk about a guy that carries a tough burden, and this is why I wanted to have you on, Aaron, because I think you understand uh, his situation more than anybody else. Um, Rich's wife was born Polish. Uh, You know, and... There's no cure for that. No. I know, you know, I know our own, you know, friend we love, Chris Inzak. He tried everything, you know, uh, taking Bactine rectally. It, it doesn't cure it. You know, it doesn't go away. Um, you know, and, and the struggle's real, you know. And not only is this guy, you know, bust his ass at work, take care of the kids. But, you know, he has to take care of his wife, too. You know, they got a beautiful home. I don't know if you have you ever seen his home. It's gorgeous. When him and his wife got married, he had to have a carpenter come in and and make sure that all the doors swing both ways, because she could get trapped for hours. You know, <laughs> uh, you know something as simple as, as bathing the kids. You know, he has to go in and and put the plug in the tub so the water doesn't go down the drain. You know, this guy. He, he does a lot. It's an uphill battle. There's no... He's going to have to deal with this for the rest of her life. And, you know, she's a sweetheart. Um, her name's Christina. And I, I even asked her. I, I said, you know, do you mind if I mention you by name when I'm talking about your disability? <laughs> and, and God bless her. Uh, she said, I don't mind, but could you disguise my name? She goes... Could you say it's Christina with a C instead of a K? Can you pronounce it like that? <laughs> and I, I said, bless your heart, sweetheart. Bless your heart. Um, so, you know, this is why I want to do something for Rich. You know, all these struggles he has and his enjoyment, you know, when he gets away uh, from this madness is to listen to our two podcasts respectively. So, uh, you know, I know you know dealing with Chris... Aaron, that, you know, that's, I mean, years now. How many years now? It's been like 12, maybe more than that by yeah. now. And it's not getting any better. He's still a fucking Polak. It's not getting you any know. worse. That's yeah. way to look at it. You know, it's, it's that's a, at, least, at least they're consistent, you know. Right. You know what you got to deal with, and it's an uphill battle. So I wanted to give this guy, you know, the full treatment, uh, you know, and... and God, God, when I met him and his wife, they were so nice, so nice. I felt bad for her because, you know, he said, hey, honey, we're going to Rockin' Pod. And and, and she thought it was like, you know, uh, something to do with chairs. 
She's like, these chairs suck. They don't rock. You know, and I'm like, oh, you poor thing. And they, they sat front row uh, during our show when we did our live show at Rock and Pod 3. And whew, what, what a sport because I filmed it all with Pollock jokes and they sat right in the front row. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know, it, that was, that's probably one of my proudest moments of this show is going from, <laughs> you know, um, from us at the, at the first Rock and Pod, like damn near ending the whole thing and people pissed off and walking out to when we, we did our live show at Rock and Pod 3, it was fucking standing room only. And that was, that was fucking amazing. Cause I, I was nervous. I remember when uh, uh, Cobras and Fires were doing their live show, and I wanted to go there and show my support and everything. And uh, you know, there, there was like nobody there, you know. But it was it was early in the day. But I was like, I was like, oh God, is is this what's gonna happen? You know, you know, and especially with us, the way you know we went over Rock and Pod One, and then not only was it great, but this poor woman had to sit in the front row. And listen to Pollock joke after Pollock joke. And, and to make her feel at home, you know, I'm going to sprinkle in, uh, I don't even know if you could call them jokes. I think they're more like Polish facts uh, that I'll throw in as we review this album. And uh, this is one Rich picked uh, a band I don't think any of us had ever heard of, you know. And I'm from the Chicago area. Uh, I never heard of these guys, so I sent you both copies. A uh, band called Cyclone Temple. Uh, they came out in the early 90s, and uh, they were formed out of the rem- remnants of another band called uh, Snow White. I love Snow White. Really? Snow White. Oh, you know of them, huh? Oh, that's an awesome band. That's old school. Okay. Well, female, female singer, right? I, I believe so. Yes. I believe so. Um. But I, from everything that I've read, they were very well liked in the Chicago scene. Uh, and yeah, I believe you're right, Aaron. They did have a female singer, but they were pretty thrashy. And then they got the the singer that's on this album. He only did this album and tour. And then they did an EP with another singer and one more album with another singer uh, and then split up. Uh, the other two albums weren't well received. They were signed to Combat Records, put out their debut, but shortly after the album came out, Combat uh, and Relativity, uh, that was like a subsidiary of Combat, they were both absorbed by Sony. And then they they lost a record deal because they're like, you know, they basically took over the label, but, you know, canceled everybody's contracts and shit like that. So, um, but yeah, I tried to find as much history on this band because I knew going into it, none of us knew uh, this band, so it's going to be a harder review than something you know where we've lived with it our whole lives, or uh, or even if it's an artist that we know and love and put out a new album. I, I, these are the hardest reviews I think to do when you have no history, no anything. So I listened to the album, I think about two and a half times. I don't know how much you guys uh, got to absorb it, but uh, you know, let's do. Uh, Let's do Rich Justice, you know, and, and for all his suffering, you know, let's let's give him a good episode here. Heck yeah. Ah, mission accomplished already, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had text him today, I'm like, I hope you like some pedophilia. 
know, <laughs> with your episodes, you know, and he said, go for it, you know. So, now, uh, I would say, Aaron, you, you knew nothing, so you have no history with this band? No history. Uh, Never heard of them before. Uh, you said to me, we, we talked about doing this a year ago or so, and like you said, you know, shit just is funny. You know, when you got, when you're doing a podcast, you guys know it, you know, it's a lot of work. You got a real life outside of it. Sometimes I feel like if I'm not at my day job, I'm preparing to record the Decibel Geek podcast. I'm recording the Decibel Geek podcast. I'm fucking my wife or I'm editing the Decibel Geek podcast. And that's that's everything, you know? So it makes right. it hard to, to time out anything else. But we finally got to do this. When I listen to this, I kick myself in the ass. I wish I had listened to it a year ago because for a band that I've never heard of, this is fucking awesome, man. It's really good. The whole thing is really good. And I'm, I'm yeah, let's review this motherfucker. Because it's awesome and people need to know about this. Right on. Well, Ralph, you, you said you didn't know a Cyclone Temple, but you knew of Snow White? I did know of Snow White. So there's a connection, right? Yeah, the, the guitar player and the drummer, I believe. Uh, okay, no, the guitar player, bass player, and the last drummer of Snow White formed this band and they got a different singer. That came from a band called Hammeron. Yeah, I have a Snow White album vinyl that I bought way back in the 80, 85, around there. Yeah. And was it like thrash is what I heard? Well, it was kind more of a... traditional metal. You oh, know? was it? Okay. You know, what you'd expect from the Metal Blade uh, bands, you know, kind of that type of edgy metal, you know? Right on. Right on. All right, well, Aaron, since you are our very special guest, why don't you take the first track? All right. Which is, yeah. oh, sh shit, I don't have the track listed in front of me. Why? It's a tune called Why. Why, yes. And I'll tell you this, you know, for being an album that I've never heard of before by a band I've never heard of before, this, man, thank you, Rich, for making me do this because this was a fucking treat. The first track, like immediately, I know, like if the rest of the album like this is like this, this is gonna be all right. I love the way this song kicks in. It starts out mellow. It kind of reminds me like old Metallica style, where it, it would start out with some like clean, pretty kind of guitar thing, like nice and mellow, and then the guitar and the drums kicks in. And it's like yeah, yeah. You know, and then it ramps up even more. It's like, holy shit, you know, this thing, it feels like it's like a rocket about to take off. And then all of a sudden, <clears throat> all of a sudden it drops out. Then you get the bass for a second. And then it's like a fucking explosion. Boom. And I go, oh, I'm going to like this. And then it's this fucking just jamming song, you know, it's like a fist pumping, head banging kind of thing. Halfway through, it drops off to that clean guitar, the intro again, and then it comes roaring right back into it, just a killer guitar solo. It's got some pretty serious lyrical content, too, about, like, how fucked up parents create fucked up kids who become, like, mass shooters through the eyes of the kid who does this sort of thing, you know? And it's like, by this, 
by the time this first song is done, it's like, wow, you know, this this takes me back to like classic era thrash, and not knowing what year this comes out and listening to it because I listened to it first, I didn't do any research, I just listened to the music first. I would have had no idea that this came out when it did, but with this first track, it's like, all right, I'm in. I want to hear more. Right on. Ralph? Yeah, how can I explain it better than Aaron did? Um, Starts chill, then gets thrashy, and it's got this really cool old-school vibe to it. Uh, I really dug this tune. This tune was awesome. I liked it. Mm Mm-hmm. Right on. Um, I kind of had an interesting history with this because, you know, it took me a while to find it. Uh, first of all, you know, when we were getting ready to do this, I mean, this was a couple of years ago. And um, I listened to it. I really liked it the first time I listened to it. I was like, oh, Ralph ain't going to mind this because this, this was a period where we were doing a lot of, you know, fan episodes and, and Ralph was getting pissed because it just wasn't his wheelhouse and I was like oh here's one you know I I think you'll like this one and uh I dug it and then you know for whatever reason you know we tried this episode so many times and shit always came up uh you know put it on the back burner listened to it again you know a lot recently and I don't know I, I don't have the initial excitement that I had the first time I was listening to it but you know it's hard with albums you don't have history with too, you know, when you're doing these reviews. Um, I don't think it's bad, but there's something off on it. And I don't know if it's the production, uh, which is very clean for Thrash. Uh, you know, there's a very smooth production. And I think the lead singer's vocals are going to make it or break it for a lot of people. Uh, he has a very, very much more melodic voice than you usually hear in thrash. And that's something like when I got into Anthrax, you know, Anthrax was the first thrash band I got into, and it had to do with Belladonna's vocals, because it seemed more like a real singer to me. You know, it took me a long time to get into, you know, like a Tom Araya voice and shit like that. But I, I think half the people are gonna be turned on by it, and some of it'll be like, it's not tough enough um, for thrash. And I hear something, you know, especially knowing the history now of how, you know, like two different bands merge and stuff like that. I kind of get that in the sound. Like, you know, maybe this was a band that had, you know, you know, the musicians were in like another band that had a different sound. And then they get this singer that came from a band that might have had another different sound. And that now they're kind of merging and trying to find their own thing. I guess my biggest complaint with some of the stuff on this album is it doesn't sound like the singing mixes with the music right, kind of like they're in two different places. Uh, but again, I, I think there's people who might not be huge thrash fans. This could appeal to them. This could be a gateway into listen to heavier stuff because of the melodic vocals. Uh, but it, it kind of reminds me, every, every time I hear a band like that, you know, where it's like, oh, they change their sound. I always think of Defiler. From the Sopranos, <laughs> you know, the, the the joke is there used to be a hair metal band, you know, but now they're a grunge band, and I kind of hear that in this, like, you know, just 
they're trying something new, kind of like how Pantera used to be a cock rock band and merged into something else, you know, and power metal is kind of a growing pain album where you're mixing, you know, you're starting to get a little bit heavier, but there's still some of the cock rock, but you're not yet what you're going to become. And we don't really know what would have happened with these guys on another album because this lineup only did this one album and tour. And by all accounts, all the reviews I've read on the EP and the album that came after, each with a different singer, uh, fans seem to prefer this a lot more than those. So, But but not a bad one. But uh, I'll take the next one, Sister, Until We Meet Again. Uh, it has grunge. I, I mean, uh, it has crunch to it, but it's kind of like, does this band want to be a thrash band or do they want to be Fate's Warning? You know, I kind of hear like a mix of of thrash, but it's like doesn't fully commit. But then I hear like progressive shit as well, especially with the vocals. Um, so again, it's just kind of a weird juxtaposition of, of styles on it. Not horrible, by like I was talking to Ralph about it earlier. You know, I've heard much worse, but there's still something. I don't know. I, I don't know. What do you think of uh, Sister, Aaron? I like it. It's it's heavy. It's thrashy, but like you say, it's also kind of melodic in spots. I think I think I see what you're saying about how something's mismatched here because it seems like the music, the instruments, are produced like very clean, but a lot of times the vocals feel like they're kind of muddy. You know, it's mm-hmm. like it's like the band Kiss on Destroyer, but the vocals off of like dress to kill you know it's like that's what i think the mix-up is because it don't quite match up in the ears but i love the heavy guitar tone of the band the guitars are so good and there's a lot of ups and downs in this song which makes it not just like a generic thrash band but something a little extra so far i'm digging it man i love track number one and i'm digging track number two also right on ralph yeah, it's another song that starts like not thrashy and then it gets thrashy. Uh, this song, I don't think it's bad. I don't think it's great. I think it's just okay. Uh, then we got uh, Public Enemy, right? Is that? No. no. Words is words. words. Yeah. Uh, this one, uh, I didn't like uh, the acoustic part. Uh, this song kind of annoyed me. I wasn't a fan of it. I'm going to use the girls' room. I'll be right back. Uh, Aaron? No, Aaron's chewing. <laughs> Sorry. I had an olive in my drink, and I got down to it. Yeah. Um, With words or just words, I think what really jumps out at me at this song is what I kind of hadn't earlier noticed. I hadn't noticed really much earlier was... This dude is actually a really good singer, and it it shows on this tune. He's got a unique, good, unique voice, and it's cool the way he switches kind of like between like emotional, and then he's snarling and he's howling, and it's he does a lot of different stuff with his voice. You know, he, he bounces back and forth. When he hits the high notes, he kind of reminds me of like Phil Anselmo, like he used to do, like Cowboys from Hell kind of era. Song's got a great groove. Again, lots of changes, lots of peaks and valleys in it. But I tell you this, 
I like this one too, and I'm really digging this album so far. Right on. Well, I gotta tell you, I'm, I'm so excited to do this episode finally. I forgot to do what I was gonna do to make Mrs. Canamere feel included, so now I'm gonna get to um, some Polish facts. I gotta do three to get caught up. Right. And, uh, you know, you, you might know the answer to some of these, you know, with what you have to deal with, your struggles. Uh, weekly doing your podcast. Uh, what Ian, Polish this, show is, this show is so informative. Yeah. Oh, you're going to find out a lot today. So smart. What, what do Polish women get that's long and hard after their wedding? Uh, kielbasa? A new last name. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. That's right. All right. Here's another one. You, you may, may or may not know this. Uh, where was it now? I, I gotta find all these facts. Uh, <laughs> what do you call a Polish locksmith? I don't know. A Polak. Okay. <laughs> I got it and said lock. <laughs> all right, and, and here's an interesting story. I, I never knew about this one. You find out all kinds of shit. Um, a Jew, an Italian, and a Polak are waiting to be executed by electric chair. Uh, Jew steps up first, and the warden asks him, you know, any last words? He mentions that his uncle's a doctor, and the warden flips the switch, and nothing happens. Warden says, you lucky son of a bitch, one in a million chance. Okay, you go free. Then the Italian comes up. Warden says, any last words? Italian says, nothing. Warren flips the switch. Again, nothing. Warren says, I can't believe this is one in a trillion shot. It doesn't work twice. You go free. Polak goes up next. The warden says, any last words? Polak says, yeah, aren't you supposed to plug that thing in? <laughs> oh, oh tr true, true stories. Oh. True stories. All right, so as far as my, my feelings on this song here... Uh, this one's kind of a power ballad and, and doesn't do much for me. Uh, this is where you kind of see it going in the, uh, you know, definitely more suits the singer, I think, than the band. Uh, not saying that this guy wrote the song or whatever, but I, I think they're kind of appealing to his strengths right there. Instead of like, you know, some of the more progressive thrash you heard on the first two tracks, so, uh... Yeah, I'm, I'm going to pass on that one. Uh, then we go in the next song. I'll take it. Uh, Public Enemy. Um, well, before I get into that, let me find another uh, another factoid for you guys here. Uh, let's see here. I know I, I, I saw some, you know, interesting stuff. Uh, let's see here. Oh, this is one. Uh, and... and Tell me, tell me this hasn't happened before. Uh, Polak walks in, walks in the store. He goes, I'd like a pound of kielbasa. The clerk says, you must be a Polak. <laughs> Sinzak says, why do you say that? If I asked for bratwurst, would you call me a kraut? clerk says, no. Polak says, if I asked for Italian sausage, would you call me a dago? clerk says, no. He goes, then why do you call me a Polak for asking for kielbasa? Clerk says this is a hardware store. 
You know, so, you know that, that really makes Polacks look really stupid. Yeah, they, they ain't too sharp. But uh, <laughs> anyway, get to this song. Which one are we on now? Uh, Public Enemy. Um, I dig this one, uh, particularly the drums and the guitar work on this. Big, big fan of the drummer. There's some really good drumming shit on here, which is very prominent in the mix, uh, like Aaron was talking, and the guitars. Uh, I was really surprised when I saw a picture of these guys and saw that there was only one guitar player. Right, yeah. Uh, so I, I think that's like a, a testament to his talents, you know. Uh, I mean, obviously, you know, there's going to be some, you know, tracking going on here, you know, him, you know, playing a rhythm and a... And a and a live track, at least in my ears, I think they did that. Maybe not. I could be wrong. Uh, but off live. Yeah, but some stellar uh, guitar and drumming on this. Uh, so far, I would say at this point is my favorite track. I dig it. What do you think, Ralph? Yeah, this is uh, fast. I love the fast vocals. I dig this one a lot. It's uh, thrashing goodness. I totally dig... Uh, uh, public enemy, funk smoke. All right, Aaron. Fuck yeah, man! This is some epic headbanger shit right here. What I'm loving about this band is the same thing that I love about early Metallica and Megadeth and Overkill and Slayer and bands like that. If I didn't know this came out in 1991, I would guess this came out in 1984. Public enemy. Fucking rules. Awesome. All right, why don't you take the next song, and God We Trust. This is another heavy-ass song that's it's almost got an old-school kind of anthrax feel to it. This stuff fall has, like, a real mid-'80s thrash throwback sound to it. I like it a lot. I've got to think these guys were a band out of time, and had this album come out 10 years earlier, it might have been a pretty big deal. But... This song is badass too. I'm, I'm really feeling good about this. Like every song so far, I'm going to put on my iPod. Right on. Uh, I'll say I dig this one too. Heavy Anthrax on this song. Um, you know, I definitely get the Anthrax vibe on this one. Now I would say so far this would be my favorite. Uh, but I can't help but think maybe they need a new singer even though this guy's good i could see this benefiting from from somebody you know a little bit heavier but i could be very wrong on that because like i said the reviews that i read of the two replacement singers uh it didn't go over as well now i don't know if they kept the same style if they got heavier if they got lighter but i could kind of see i mean with this drummer and guitar player i i could see just I, I, I don't know. The singer's not bad. Just feel, you know, like a mismatch. What do you think, Ralph? Uh, I dig this one a lot. I like uh, the thrashiness of it. It's a great fashion tune. It's my second favorite off this album. Love and God We Trust. I think it's a great track. Then right we go, on. One. Then we That's go kind of the other cool thing about this, too, is like when you talk about how these guys are coming out in 91, but clearly you see who they're influenced by but you're getting songs about murder and greed and war 
and all the things that make for the best thrash metal songs that's what these guys are doing they're following a formula that has worked for a lot of different bands and it's working on this one too all right i'll take the next one i hate therefore i am which is the title track are they alice in chains now this thing it sounds like alice in chains uh, intro then it starts off uh it gets thrashy but i gotta tell you when i was listening to this i was daydreaming not paying attention so i had to tell you again and and i was paying close attention to this uh song and you know, and then I realized, I go, hey, this song ain't good. <laughs> that, that's my review of that tune. Aaron? I mean, yeah, I kind of see that because at first I'm like, uh-oh, fuck, you know, I guess every band from this era has got to have its ballad. And, I, you know, the singer, like I said, the, the production on the vocals and the production on the band don't match up it it don't fit together but it's pretty cool the way the singer is talented enough that he's able to make his voice almost sound pretty in spots in this song and then switch it back over to like the metal growl but then a little while in it kicks in it's like okay never mind this is no ballad and the influences keep on coming because this song is very reminiscent of like some old school armored saint to me and it's a song that's it's like all over the place but in a good way and that kind of makes it like, like prog metal and it's epicness i think this one's like seven minutes long it's got a killer guitar solo that's not thrashy it's very soulful and so it fits this song because of the way it goes thrash and then it goes kind of kind of weird kind of epic power metal sort of and then back and forth and back and forth. Not my favorite song on the album, but I still think it's very cool. I really like the guitar solo on this one. All right. Um, well, first off, fuck, I forgot a Pollock joke on the, on the last one. Uh, I mean, a Pollock fact. Um, <laughs> I, I don't want to come across like I'm making fun of Pollock. I'm, I'm just stating facts. So the more informed our audience is, you know, how to treat a Polish person, you know, if you come in contact with them and, and to have a little empathy and, and sympathy for them. Um, but in, in case you need to know this, how do you stop the Polish army on horseback? Oh man, I knew this one. I did know this one. And it is, and Ian's right, this is a fact. Yeah. Man, how do you, you turn off the carousel. Oh no, that's not the one I heard. That's, that one's even that one's even better than the joke I heard. That was good. All right, yeah, this could come in handy. How many Polish people does it take to change a light bulb? Oh, I have no idea. A hundred. One to hold the bulb and ninety-nine to spend the house. <laughs> All right. As far as the song here, um, let's see. Yeah. I see the promise in this song, but the thrash on this, I believe, needs to be turned up to 11. And here we're on about a four. Uh, like Aaron said, you know, the guitar work really good, but uh, I think this needs a more of a kick in the ass, and I think all three of us would agree on that. Uh, I'll take the next one, which is March 
March for me, die for me. Oh, shit. Now I gotta come up with uh, with another Pollock joke. Well, let me tell you, I, I mean, factoid. Um, so, anyway, this song, uh, far from reinventing the thrash wheel uh, on this one, but I can hang with it. Not a bad song. What do you think, Ralph? Oh, this is my favorite one on here, man. Uh, love the flow. I love the sporadic gang vocals in the tunes. Uh, I think the vocals rule. I love this one. This is my favorite track off here. That's what I think. All right. Uh, let's see, Aaron, you're back now. What, how, what do you feel about this song? Come on, March for Me, March for Die. Mm-hmm. March for Die, March for Die. Well, yeah. Exactly. Uh, love it, man. I love it. You know, I've talked about how cool the guitars and the vocals are, but, man, you really, really got to give it up to the rhythm section in this band. It's so solid. The drums and the bass, are they're just heavy and killer throughout the whole thing. going to let you know it's John Slattery on drums and Scott Schaefer on bass. And based on their work on this album, there are a couple of super talented dudes laying it down, the foundation of all these hard rock and thrashing kind of power metal blends of things going on. They deserve some credit. This song is fucking awesome. Make me my favorite one so far. Awesome. Well, why don't you take the next one, Born to Lose? I mean, this one's just okay, I think. It's, it's not as strong as the rest. I think if there was one weakest track on this entire album, it would probably be this one. But it's still not bad. I mean... And this has been an experience here today with this thing. Like, I really like pretty much everything that's on here. And the only thing I can say about Born to Lose is it's just not quite as tough as the rest of them. Awesome. Ralph, what do you think? I, I, I mirror what Aaron said. It's okay. I don't dislike this song, but it's just okay. I don't think it's bad. That's all I got to say. Okay. Well, uh, let's see. I, I got to come back with a couple of uh, Polish facts. I missed the last one again, so. Uh, yeah, very important. Uh, how do you sink a Polish battleship? Hmm. Um, you put it in water. Yeah, I, 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 I was about to say that. All right. Uh, Aaron, you might need to know this one. Uh, how do you break a Polak's finger? I don't know. You punch him in the nose. <laughs> Again, not making fun of the Polish people, just trying to enlighten everybody. Yeah. Uh, uh, all right, well, <laughs> we all agree on this track. Uh, this is filler to me. And, you know, I already mentioned the singer left after the tour for this album. And I got... 20 bucks that he went and joined a band that covered Seven Mary Three. You know, I, I can kind of hear some cumbersome out of this guy. I don't know, maybe he started a band called Seven Mary Thrash. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, again, it, it's the mix match and it doesn't work on this one because not only is this kind of a more of a fillerish tune, but you know, it makes the singer, um, you know, it, it, it sticks out more to me. Uh, let's see. 
Ralph, I'm going to let you take the next song while I look for another Polish uh, factoid. Take the final track. All right, Silence So Loud. Again, I think it's okay. I think it's better than Born to Lose. Uh, it's all right. What do you think, Aaron? Man, I found this one to be a great way to close out the album, especially after the dip you take in the last song, something to bring you up and end it with an exclamation point. It's a scorching thrash metal killer. I love this one. Musically, I mean, this way, if you take out the vocals and just listen to the band, this would make a great song for either the first Metallica or Megadeth album. You know that's where their influences are coming from. They nail it on this song. I think Silence So Long is another of the strongest songs on this album. And a great way to end it. All right. Well, uh, last Polish factoid here. Uh, what do you call a Polish sea dude? What is a sea dude? Like a jet ski. Oh. Yeah. You just answered a jet ski. A jet ski. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I was set up and walked into that one perfectly. <laughs> I know, I know. Ralph fucked it up by not knowing what a sea dude is. <laughs> God damn it! That's why. Thanks, I was, Ralph. That's why I don't get that joke. Oh, that was awesome. <laughs> the best one. Uh, all right. Uh, well, enough of uh, sympathizing with the Polacks here. Uh, I agree. This is this is my favorite track now. Uh, the final give me more of this yeah. um by far my favorite and this has all the thrash that I, I need in it and what i really love is um uh, there's a little like guitar outro towards the end that's kind of different than everything else in the song and you know you go back and listen to it man check that part out because it's really killer um again we we liked it to varying degrees um you know, nobody hated it, but personally, I can kind of see why it didn't get bigger than it was. And one thing I didn't want to tell you guys before we did the review, because I wanted to keep everybody honest, uh, you know, and, and I didn't want anybody to hold back. Uh, Rich is friends with the guitar player from this band, you know, and I didn't want to tell anybody because I didn't like, oh, it's Rich's friend, so I don't want to be too mean. I wanted everybody you know, to give an honest reaction. And I, I don't know if Rich is going to play that for this guy. <laughs> and if, you know, if, if he does, I hope the guy um, takes it all in stride, you know. Uh, hey, man, we weren't harsh. I mean, no, I, I, there's really one song, the title track I disliked on it. Everything else, even the ones that ain't great, I thought, well, they're not bad. Right, yeah. And then there's, I mean, so there's songs that are awesome on it. Right. And for me, I mean, I think to look at the whole thing as an over, we established, I mean, this is a Chicago band that formed in 89 out of the ashes of a different band. And when it comes to wearing your influences on your sleeve, man, that's a good thing, especially when your influences are early Metallica and Megadeth and Armored Saint and Testament and so on. And man, I feel like it's a really strong album that it, if it had been released even five years earlier, I think could have made a real mark. And the production, I think, is great when it comes to the music. Like I said, I think there's some kind of disconnect with the way the music sounds and the way the vocalist sounds. 
but you can give all the credit to world famous producer Blind Pig Knuckle Jefferson <laughs> for that. That's what I get. That's what I get for de- doing research. That's who's credited in producing this. But I got a feeling that it's probably Rich's guitar player friend who is also the producer. I think the things that hurt this band. I mean, one, they were signed to Combat Records in 91, which, like Ian said, they shut down right after this album was released. I feel like the name Cyclone Temple might have hurt them a little bit. It's kind of generic name that's placed on a band that's anything but generic. Like you said earlier on, they were known as Snow White. Uh, Umlauts, Umlauts on the O. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Maybe they should have kept that name. It might have been better. Also, I I, they're both horrible names. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think I don't, I don't know. Cyclone Temple is kind of generic. The album cover, it's kind of lame too. You know, even though it was created by Sean Wynette, who did album designs for other bands, another band I love called Two Bit Thief. He, they, he did some of their stuff. He's a famous tattoo artist, but the album art kind of looks like. Tornado of Souls crashing through the roof of a church, which is a cool concept, but it doesn't make for a great album cover. You got to have that logo front and center, not sideways and off to the side. You got to have something that's going to grab people's attention. I don't feel like the name of the band or the album art does the music justice. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of like Scatterbrains album covers. Which is, you know, there was a lot of great animated covers back then. You know, think of like, you know, Megadeth and Iron Maiden ones. But this one's a little bit too cartoony. Yeah. And I know, I know, I know that doesn't affect the music. But if you're in a record store and you don't know these guys, because I don't remember ever seeing it on MTV or anything, it's not going to stick out at you and go, oh, buy me, you know. Like if I'm a fan of Metallica and Slayer and Megadeth and this would be right up my alley, I don't think by looking at that album cover, I'm going to go, that's going to be something I'm going to dig. So then after the album is pretty much deemed a commercial failure, the lead vocalist, Brian Trosh, we said quits the band. They go through a couple other singers. They release one more full-length studio album independently. It's called My My Friend Lonely. And then they break up in 94, so they're not even around anymore. But I think if you're a fan of early to mid-80s thrash metal, then this is something you might want to give a chance to because they do borrow strongly from the formulas of the great bands, the ones that did that better than anybody else. They're In 1991, they're able to look back and find that formula, what worked for those bands, and apply it to this. You know, and they're always talking about like new wave of classic metal as a thing nowadays. These guys might have invented that back in 1991. The lead vocalist, I know, he went on to be like a Broadway performer. But I think the most enlightening thing I learned about this whole thing is that Greg Fulton, who was the lead guitar player on this, is really the mastermind behind this whole band. He's credited for writing all the songs talking music and lyrics and I think Ralph mentioned it earlier before I did anything to learn about this band at all I listened to the music first and then I went back and tried to learn a little something about the band 
And I think the thing I was most blown away by was like listening to it and going, man, this is aw- this is awesome. The guitars are killer in this. And thinking it's two guitarists. And then to find out later, it's just the one guy. It was yeah. pretty mind-blowing to learn and- that later on. And here's something you might want to know. Greg Fulton, nowadays, he's got this thing going on called Sweet Diesel Jenkins. And they do, like, funk rock covers of classic pop rock songs. So the thing I heard was the song, This Is How We Do It. You know the one, right? Yeah. Montel Jordan, baby. Right. All right. So this, what they're doing is, like, a funk rock cover of that. It's really damn cool. I was like, I never knew this song was cool. But when Sweet Diesel Jenkins is doing it, man, it's awesome. You can actually catch Sweet Diesel Jenkins on tour right now out there doing shows with Flo Rida and Ludacris. Holy shit. Yeah, that's real, man. So this guy who was kind of a thrash metal dude all these years later is still super successful and doing some really cool stuff. And most importantly, none of the members past or present have ever been involved in a pedophilia ring. Wow. So that already makes it better than most of the people we've talked about today. Yeah. Amen. Talking to you, Sammy Hagar. And Willie Nelson. (laughs) I was going to add a third name. I don't want to say nothing. (laughs) I don't want to say anything. (laughs) Poor Willie. All right. Well, yeah, that's calm down in his old age. (laughs) Uh, That's our review again, released 1991 on Combat Records. And uh, yeah, hey, thanks, Richie. You finally got it, you know, like half a decade later. (laughs) And really, thank you for turning us on to a really amazing album by a band that I otherwise probably would have never, ever heard of. And now. I want to hear. I want to. I want to own the CD. I want to own the EP that came out later, and I want to check out their last album. And then I learned about Sweet Diesel Jesus or whatever Jenkins. And- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cool too, you know. Well, I know they, they did put out um, like an anniversary edition, or there is a, like a remastered version that came out, and they also put out a live album in 2017. Now, I don't know if if that's like, you know, an old recording, like from this tour, or if it's something like a one-off, uh, that I wasn't able to find out, but they did put out a live album. But, uh, yeah, man, there you go, man, and now it's time to go to Pick of the Week. And Aaron, you're a very special guest, so you get to go first. What is your Pick of the Week that you want these good people to listen to? You know what? I think since it's Part of the subject, you know, I would say if you like funk rock and you want to hear something cool, check that out. Check out Sweet Diesel Jenkins and check out their cover of This Is How We Do It. I know that doesn't (laughs) look like something that I would recommend, but actually after doing this show and talking about this band, Cyclone Temple, and learning about this band and... Man, it's it's killer. I want. I kind of wish that they would have came out five years earlier because if I think they had, they'd still be around today. 
And I think they'd be one of those bands that you'd see out on tour with Overkill and see out on tour with Suicidal Tendencies. Like, if they would have hit at the right time, they would be a band that would have survived. But since they're gone, man, check out Greg Fulton and what he's doing. Right on. Ralph, do you have a pick of the week? It's the only time of the week that it's cool to say Ian before Ralph. Pick of the week. All right. Uh, pick of the week's hard this week because I can't stop listening to the new um, Uncle Acid Live album. Uh, man, it's just fucking... It's, it's all I've been... Li- other than listening to this, it's all I've been listening to over and over. So what I have this week is a recommendation for our listeners. And something I got in trouble with in the past because uh, I encourage violence against Sammy Hagar fans. And some people took that seriously. Uh, yeah, we're talking to you, Mark Alvin Taylor. Uh, he thought I was real and, and freaking out because I think he feared for his life. Yeah, you know, and like he was, he violence against was... Sammy Hagar fans. He's got yeah. a joke. He is one. Yeah. And I didn't think, you know, I would get in trouble because, like, what, what is there, like, six of them out there? You know, but, you know, you, you know, you can get in trouble now for, you know, in, in, inciting a riot and stuff like that. So I'm not recommending anybody does harm, uh, you know, to Sammy Hagar fans, but fuck with them. You know, <laughs> it, if they have kids, call Child Protective Services on their ass. You know, take... Take a picture of their record collection, send it to Child Protective Services. They'll know what to do. Uh, you know, like rub dog shit on on the handles of their golf clubs, because you know, <laughs> Sammy Hagar fans play golf. You know, that's that's their kind of fucking speed. You know, uh, you know, j- just do something like that. Generally, just make their life worse. I, I I know you'd think like, well, they listen to Sammy Hagar. What can you possibly do? Uh, that's worse, but find something and do it, and don't get caught. And if you do, if you do get caught, don't tell them I told you to do it. Tell them Mark Allen Taylor told you to do it. Um, you know, I, I know they're going to have a hard time believing that because nobody listens to Mark Allen Taylor. But you know, try it, try it. Keep keep my name out your mouth, but fuck with the Sammy Hagar fan. But most importantly, get their kids taken away. You know, before it's too late. You know, it, it's it's never too late to save a child. You know, um, they're really sick, sick people. You know, and they can help themselves. Unlike Pollocks, you know, uh, no cure for that shit. Yeah. Ralph, what's your pick? I want to say to everybody out there, I'm talking about the whole human race. Continue not listening to freeform. All right, <laughs> this is my pick of the week. Hey, look, look, I got the new KK. This is what I got on Monday. But that's not nice. my pick of the week. I want to Good. give a shout out to my boy, my friend, J-Man, who has hooked me up with so many killer vinyls and box sets. And today, he sent me this. All right, I'll get it. I'll get it. Invisible. There. Invisible. Oh, yeah. The amazing disappearing Dio. This is the Dio box set. Two, I have the first box that which I bought myself. But this one has Angry Machines, Magicka, Killing the Dragon, Master of the Moon, and Electra, yeah. a 7-inch. All these vinyls are colored. I have not opened it yet because when we're done with this episode, I'm going to do an unboxing video 
now of this. And I'm going to open them all up and see what color each vinyl is and stuff like that. But J-Man, I love you, bro. And, I, and I'll say this to the end of the day. Look, if I was a chick, I wouldn't. St I still wouldn't ban J-Man. But I will hook up J-Man with my hot lesbian girlfriend. That's how much I love J-Man. Yeah, we all need a chick man in our lives. Yeah, man, I got hey. man. Injustice for all boxing. You know how expensive that is. J man's loaded. He's the man. Yeah. And he bought him the special edition with bass. <laughs> you, know, you know, it was J man that got me into that Metallica show. You know, with uh, oh wow. But they only played songs from Kill 'Em All and Ride the Lightning. Oh man, and those tickets were like eight hundred and up. J man got me a. Uh, Casino comp, Jayman's the man. Wow. Well, uh, that's a great pick, but uh, you know, far be it for me to censor anybody, Ralph. But it's 2023. You can't call vinyl colored anymore. <laughs> and, you know, I, I've said it before. I mean, all you people out there into colored vinyl, you're all racist. What's wrong with black vinyl? Yeah. You know what I mean, black is beautiful. I love Don't black vinyl. I love black vinyl more than color vinyl, but I gotta say, lately, I don't know. I, I appreciate color vinyl. It still ain't the end all, be all. I mean, cause the thing is, color vinyl costs a little bit more than black vinyl. So if I had to choose, I, of course I'm going with black all the way. But then there's times where you can't buy nothing that's not, you know, splatter and shit. So I end up buying that, and the sound quality is so much better today. It's just like the black vinyl, where back in the day, color vinyl sounded like shit. Yeah. Your mom said the black vinyl's bigger, though. Yeah. Well, my mom would know. She's a <laughs> whore. She's a big whore that loves the BBC. <laughs> and we ain't talking about the British Broadcasting Company. No, we're talking about big black cocks. <laughs> All right. Well, that's our pick of the weeks. I, I hope you listen to each and every one of us. Uh, so check out uh, Blind Munchkin Jenkins and, uh, you know. Sweet Diesel Jenkins. That's what I said. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, fuck with some Hagar fans, you know, and uh, check out that Dio box set. But uh, now it's time to go into the whole reason we're here again and elaborate the great Rich Canamere. This guy is just so awesome. And on, on one hand, I, I feel so bad about making him wait this fucking long. But seriously, uh, he, he's a leftover from like a couple of Rockin' Pods ago. But I knew I wanted him to give him this experience with the three of us. You know, and he asked me, when I told him, he's like, great idea. But he asked specifically, can it just be Aaron, you know, not Chris? He's like, I got to deal with that Pollock shit at home every fucking day. Can I? <laughs> then I have a fucking breather, you know. Everybody knows, you know, you know, Aaron's the fucking Ralph of, of Decibel Geek, you know. He, he's the star. Just give me the star, you know. Leave the Pollock at home. And I was like, okay, cool. Um, you know, but Rich is, is salt of the earth and... And his wife, Christina, she is a fucking sweetheart and a good sport. And I hope you both enjoy this and, and laugh. And 
if I didn't think she would, I never would have done this. But she is a great sport, a really cool woman, and seriously, great family, salt to their God. I love you, Rich. I just I t I talked to him today, and he was so happy and wanted me to let you guys know. He, you know, he he loves all of us and, and loves these shows, and you know, a lot of these people. He he says he listens to us at work, you know, and and these shows do break up everybody's day and make them laugh and. And, and shit like that and you know we're just having fun here sometimes we underestimate the joy we can give other people you know just giving them something different to do and, and some laughs and learn about new music and shit so I hope a lot of people check out this extremely racist pedophile filled episode and uh, Rich I, I, I know it's worth the wait brother yeah. all I gotta say and I'm speaking for myself Ian and Aaron is depressing <laughs> And how bad do we feel knowing that Chris Sisnack <laughs> is smarter than all three of us and he's a pull on? Yeah. That's depressing, man. Damn. The Sizzler strikes again. The Sizzler, Damn. yeah. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, well, Aaron, leave that say about us. Oh. Aaron, you got some words you want to say for Rich? Yeah, man, just, uh, you know, the same as everybody. You know, thank you guys for supporting podcasts that focus on rock music. You know, it's a cool thing that we've all kind of created a community together over the years where, like you say, you know, it's Decibel Geek and it's Rock and Metal Combat. And it's Cobras and Fire and it's In Obscuria and all these podcasts that you see at Rock and Pod and all the people that care about these podcasts that come to rock and pod and you know the the friendships and man it's a community and it feels like a family because like you say you know you talk about like people that go to these shows where they're using tapes or they sound like shit but they don't care but there's a certain small elite group of people that do give a fuck you know and that's us and that's our listeners you know and it's it shows me that when I was growing up and I would see people, I'd be like, what's your favorite band? And they'd be like, I like whatever's popular. And I'd be like, fuck you, you know? I'm not the only one like that, you know? And I've come to realize over the years, like, there's so many people out there that are just like me that really, truly care about the music and want to talk about it and want to dissect it and want to know all the fine details about every awesome album and every awesome band that there's ever been. And to be able to get together, not only with Chris on Decibel Geek, but to be able to team up with you guys and do fun stuff all the time. And man, I love you guys like brothers and I love everybody that listens to our shows and just a lot of love and a lot of thank you to Rich Canamar for turning me on to this band because, man, like I said, most, if not all, of the songs on this album, I Hate, Therefore I Am, by Cyclone Temple, are immediately going into my iPod because this is something that I want to have as a part of my life now because of being introduced to it and giving it a chance and really giving it the deep dive. I appreciate it a lot because it's a damn good album that I otherwise maybe would have never heard of. But thanks to Rich, here we are checking out something that deserves the attention that odds are we might not have ever come across before. So, 
you know what? If you guys love thrash metal and you check this out and you love it, thank Rich Canamar for making us do it. Yeah, show some love to him on the Facebook page, you know, and send your sympathies for his wife and everything. <laughs> you know, that, that, that shit's important. And uh, Aaron, thank you so much for making this happen. Uh, really appreciate it. We, we couldn't have done this one without you. And looking forward to having you back on when the new Ace album comes out. Yeah, let's and do I'm, that. I'm, I'm looking forward to the next Rockin' Pod when I can crash the interview you do with Steve Brown from Trickster and I can crucify him for what he did to Ace Fraley. Oh, shit. I hope you don't go for that. <laughs> oh, you know, I can't wait. That, that's what I, I, I love is, like, I'm hoping this year at, at Rockin' Pod you guys finally have a table. You know, and I can come over and, and, and crash and talk to you guys and shit. Because you guys, you know, always, you're walking around doing your thing. I want to see you guys at a table this year. And, right, and, yeah. Uh, That's looking supposed forward to, to it. That's supposed to change this next time. We're supposed to have more opportunity just to relax and enjoy the fruits of rock and pot instead of working our butts off the whole time. Yeah. Definitely want to take advantage of that and be yeah. it. You, you think it you're going to relax, but wait till you talk to Steve Brown and I show up. <laughs> it's going down In a all right sense. well I, again i want to thank aaron and i want to tell everybody check if you haven't why are you fucking waiting check out decibel geek it's like our show but better so check it out this episode we're recording on saturday it's going to be up sunday you can get it on podbean itunes however you get your fucking podcast also the video version of this will be up on youtube tomorrow so if you haven't yet, subscribe to our YouTube page. Smash that like button. Hit notifications on everything. All that shit. Leave comments. All that stuff helps the YouTube anal rhythms, right, Ralph? Yeah, that, that's what we need. So thanks again. And until next week, save the children. Lock them up. Thank you again, Aaron. You rock, brother. Thank you, Ralph. Thank you, Ian. You guys are the fucking best. <laughs> that love that it, is true. That uh, he he made a lot of sense for us. Yeah, 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 yeah. Don't so go to Polak. <laughs> right on. And what is this? Uh, Mama Baba Smack Magab production. <laughs> this is Smash uh, uh, Smack Magab uh, Bang Bang Fuck Your Mother Podcast Productions Night. <laughs> Smack Magab. Bye.
magic charms and fools. 